This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Exile, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Crange alongside, as always, the king of banter, very good family man, and disingenuous, parentheses, at times, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? What's happening? We got some, uh, we got some all Japan happening which hopefully we'll get to talk about in detail. We kind of blew through it uh, the last time we talked about All Japan because we had like 40 seconds left in the show. <laughs> that was unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think we'll have some time for this one for sure. we got some Ring of Honor. We've got some AAA. When's the last time we talked AAA? <laughs> last Triple Mania, I'm sure. <laughs> probably Triple Mania. You're probably right. We don't get around to the AAA very often. And then we've got another uh, New Japan Cup catch-up. I think we're going to talk the second round this week. So uh, I thought there were three standout matches in the second round. And then uh, we'll take a look. I know one of the quarterfinal nights happened already as of this recording. Um, On-air production meeting. We're not going to touch that, right? You think yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched those yet. So there, there's no I. point. So yeah, that'd be a pretty terrible segment then of you and I talking about matches we did not see. So that that would not work out all that well. And yeah, it's just a little bit easier to kind of wrap these up in a bow uh, when they're done. We did that last week with the, the second round matches. Like I had seen uh, Ishii and Taichi and, and Yoshiashi versus Chase Owens. You hadn't seen either. And there was no point in us, you know, mentioning two of the, you know, what would become, you know, whatever the eight matches or whatever in the, in the second round. And the same thing with the quarterfinals. There's no point right now in talking about it when next week the entire quarterfinals will be done. And we'll have a better idea uh, of how that round played out. So, yeah, we are not going to talk the quarterfinals just to kind of give you an idea. Uh, but we will talk the second round matches in the New Japan Cup. But uh, the one segment that I'm very excited to do as well is the WrestleMania weekend game, where uh, <laughs> Joe, we're gonna we've been talking about doing you know kind of uh, getting ready for WrestleMania weekend a little bit. We're gonna do a huge preview here on this website. You will get more details about that later about what's gonna go on and, and the written previews and the audio previews and all that sort of stuff. You're gonna get very similar to what we did last year if you were with us uh, last year. Um, this year, very same deal. We're going to have a bunch of different contributors from Voices of Wrestling talk about it. talking about pretty much every single show. I think every single show is now accounted for uh, that's going to happen this weekend. And there is a lot of shows and a lot of shit. And that, I think, is the best part that we want to talk about is, is Joe, I had uh, three Voices of Wrestling contributors, uh, Ricardo, Taylor, and Griffin. Uh, they gave me a random assortment of, of WrestleMania weekend matches, and I'm going to tell you the competitors, and I want you to tell me the show, uh, or at least the promotion that's running that show or whatever. So it, I think it'll be a pretty fun game. Whatever you want to do that. I, 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 I'll I let you kind of get your bearings, and we'll do it maybe later in the show, or if you want to do it right now, you, you call. It, it, this this is this is your weekend. This is your week with the NCAA tournament, and, and we didn't have a production meeting, so we didn't talk about uh, what we're actually going to do as our first topic, but I'm going to let you. The floor is yours, sir. Where do you want to start? Where uh, of ROH, of New Japan, of All Japan, of AAA, the WrestleMania weekend game? Where do you want to start? This is normally the week I disappear. This is normally the week where I'm like, ah, uh, Rich, uh, something came up. I can't, <laughs> My uh... pipes burst. Yeah, okay. <laughs> like... 
I can't do the show this week. It's the you strangest know, I, thing. It's the strangest thing. The two days where there's college basketball wall to wall from 10 a.m. until 10 p.m. I my, my, I, I gotta gotta go see my brother. I gotta go visit my brother. Okay, all right. So 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 Rich was wisely on top of it this year, and he said, "No, no, we're going Wednesday." Yep. All right, pal. You're not sidestepping the show. We are going Wednesday. So I, I was agreeable to that. Um, let, I tell you, why don't we start here? Why don't we start with AAA? We never talk about AAA. I think this way we can flesh out all our thoughts. Guaranteed we won't run, be running low on time. We've got all of our energy. You know, sometimes those third-hour topics, we're just, like, dragging our feet by that point. We're like, you know, we, we got no energy left because we both were screaming about something. So why don't we lead off with the AAA since it's a topic we don't touch very often. And I think there's a lot of interesting places we can go with uh, with the events of the Ray DeReyes show of this past weekend. Rich, that was a crazy night and a crazy weekend because you had the ROH pay-per-view, which we're going to break down in detail. We had the big AAA show. There were two Evolve shows, Rich. I don't know if you knew. I didn't. I barely knew. But yeah, I, I do now know that there were two Evolve shows that weekend. There were two Evolve shows going on. So there was all kinds of wrestling going on this weekend. It was one of those weird Friday, Saturday nights where everyone on social media was watching a different live stream of something. Even had an impact Twitch stream going at some point. So there was a ton of wrestling going on. And uh, the AAA Ray DeReyes show took place. And of course, the big news coming out of that is it was made official what everybody figured was going to happen eventually anyway. But not only did they make it official, but they ran a couple of angles. There was an official partnership between AAA and All Elite Wrestling. Cody popped up on the show. The Young Bucks popped up on the show. It's supposed to be a surprise, but I don't know about you. I saw pictures of them like all day long hanging out in Mexico. <laughs> right, just a, you know, a random trip to Mexico. Yeah, for people that watch Being the Elite, uh, there was a pretty big tease that just about everybody, Lucha Blog, of course, who did the previews for our website, uh, Ricardo, who, who did the reviews uh, for voicewrestling.com, were, were, were pretty on the money there with like there was a being the elite and they were getting their passport ready and getting you know their bags packed up and everybody kind of assumed yeah that makes sense given that you know triple a is this weekend uh and then the bucks made it very obvious where it, like they were just like randomly in uh various mexican towns all friday uh and all saturday during the day and it was like okay well <laughs> i don't think they took a vacation there they're probably going to show up on the show so not a huge surprise for for those of us kind of uh you know with an ear to the ground but i guess for some it, it was a surprise that they popped up one of, you know, three or four AAA shows that I am going to go out of my way to watch every year. So it's not like I wouldn't have watched this show otherwise. When it comes to AAA outside of your Triple Manias and your Raid DeReyes and your things like that, it's the kind of promotion where, okay, if I'm home and I've got nothing else going on and there's a stream on, maybe I'll throw it on for a few minutes. So it's, it's not a promotion that gets my 100% full attention. But it's definitely a promotion where I am going to make it a point to watch the bigger shows and uh, try to have at least, uh, you know, half a finger on the pulse of what's going on. But, uh, you know, Cody, the Cody segment. So he gets introduced and they've got Hugo Savinovich out there interviewing him and he announces the partnership between the two promotions. And then, of course, uh, you know, he's out there on his crutches and then, of course, the Conan music hits. So uh, Conan comes out, and in just a hilarious segment, you know, you've got Hugo out there translating Cody's words to the the Spanish speaking audience, of course. Then Conan comes out, 
And Conan confronts Cody, and at first he confronts him in Spanish, I guess so the, the, the fans can understand. And, and, and Hugo's translating the Spanish to English for Cody. But then in the middle of the rant, Conan switch, switches to English, right? So now Conan's just cutting the promo directly to Cody in English. But Hugo, I guess, got confused and he continued to translate. <laughs> so there was one, you know, so there's one sequence where Conan's like, let me tell you something, Cody, if you ever come down here to AAA, and you want to do business with that's AAA. A good, that's a good Conan impression. You've, you, you've worked on that one before. You you gotta you gotta go through me. You gotta go through Conan. And then Hugo's like, "Okay, Cody." He says, <laughs> "If you ever want to come to AAA and do business in AAA, you gotta go through Conan." And Cody's kind of just like you can see he's stifling laughter. Okay, but the thing is. It's like, I think he just got confused because he was doing so much translating during the segment, whether it was translating Cody to Spanish or translating Conan to English, that he just kept going. Like, he, he I don't think it registered in his yeah, brain. Yeah, yeah. Four lines later, he finally stopped translating Conan's word for word. But what I also found interesting is he, he you know, sometimes you wonder with translators, are they leaving shit out? Are they changing words around? Are they fucking with anybody? I'll give him credit. Word for word, he translated that English to English. He didn't change anything. So even though he didn't realize he wasn't really translating, uh, he said uh, Conan's true words uh, back to Cody. So Cody basically got the Conan promo twice. But, uh, and, then, and then Conan's boys beat the shit out of Cody. Uh, Taurus, who had a big night, was one of the guys who participated in that attack. So, uh, uh, and then the second big angle, we'll, we'll talk about the card a little bit too. Um, but this is a good segue to, to talking about the card. The second big angle over the course of the night was, of course, at the tail end, the uh, the very tail end of the show, the Lucha Brothers, after they beat uh, Tejano Jr. and Reyes Scorpion for those AAA uh, World Tag Team titles, Rich. That's when the Young Bucks finally made their appearance and made their way down to the ring, accompanied by Conan, which if you're wondering why that doesn't make any sense, since Conan just led an attack on Cody two hours earlier, uh, don't look to me because yeah, I can't the make sense of this. <laughs> Nobody can make sense of this. It's AAA booking. None of it right, ever which is going to be, which is going to make a, the, the larger point in, if you here in a minute. Uh, but yes, that it's AAA booking in a nutshell. It's just, you know, something that happened five minutes ago probably doesn't matter five minutes later. So literally quite literally uh, you know Taya Valkyrie turned 19 times on this show so it just it's just it's triple a booking you know no one knows what's going on uh, you know uh, Vamp- vampiro is not clued in anything so he's just going to do business for himself all night screaming at twitch it's, commenters yeah screaming at twitch so the booking never makes sense but here's the thing about that that's the charm if you talk to people who watch AAA religiously, watch it every week, they don't care that the booking doesn't make sense. Uh, it's just it's just a wacky promotion where you turn your brain off. You watch people take insane bumps through tables and off of ladders and on concrete floors, and it doesn't matter that the booking makes no sense. And 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 really, if you really want to get super meta about it, Conan leading more outsiders into AAA kind of does make sense. The only issue here is why does he hate Cody but he likes the Bucks? Will they ever explain that? Of course they won't explain that. It's AAA. They, they're, they're never going to put any effort into explaining why he wanted to beat the shit out of Cody, but why he, he he's he's friendly with the Bucks. That's never going to happen. But uh, the Bucks... Nuance. Up- it's nuance, Joe. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, no, you got to let it play yeah, out. You got to let it play out. 
Let the story. Play. Well, yeah, sure. If the, you know, that's what you know, the WWE fans would scream at us, but uh, AAA fans don't bother because they just don't care. They, know that they it's just bullshit. Yeah, it is what it is. Someone new is going to have the book in two weeks anyway, and no one's going to know what's going to happen. Yeah, it, it's 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 AAA at its best. It's AAA booking. Yeah. So, but, but but we'll get to that. So the Bucks end up coming out, and of course they win the titles. Now coming out, zero reaction. Not a single person in that building knew who the Young Bucks were. Nobody. I mean, they got nothing. Then the match happens. I think it was a five or six minute match, something like that. And, you know, the two teams are doing their, their wacky flips and high spots. The fans were kind of into the Lucha Brothers beating the shit out of these two geeks who they didn't know who they were. Uh, but then when the match hit the finish, because they didn't know the Bucks, they didn't know their, their you know, they don't know what the Meltzer driver is. They don't know what any of the hold, the, the, the moves or holds are to respond to. So the finish didn't get any kind of reaction either. Um, because I guess they didn't realize that's the Bucks finished because they don't know who the Bucks are. And then when the Bucks won the titles, it kind of deflated the building because the it's like, what the fuck? Who are these guys and why are they our tag team champions now? So, um, but, but, you know, so the Bucks got no reaction. Nobody knew who they were. The end result, we have a business relationship between AAA and AEW. The Young Bucks are the AAA tag team champions. And a lot of geeks are melting down on Twitter because, uh, you know, they don't understand how this is a good thing for AAA. And, 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 and of course, Rich, the sanctity of AAA booking oh, of course. <laughs> has now been destroyed by those nefarious members of the elite and the Young Bucks ruining another promotion the same way they ruined Ring of Honor by leading them to record business. And the same way, uh, you know, Kenny Omega ruined New Japan by being on top during the most profitable year in the company's history. The elite are now here to ruin AAA. And, uh, and, and what I've seen multiple times over the last few days, which just makes you shake your head. And it's a sure sign that you have no idea what you're talking about. The fact that the elite are here to ruin AAA's booking. I mean, which is completely absurd because <laughs> company as, that, their world title was held by Jeff Jarrett in the last year. As anybody who follows AAA knows, it's the worst book promotion in the world. Terrible. And again, nobody cares because that's it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it, it's a promotion where they get away with it because no one gives a shit. Yeah, re- read to- one of read one of Cubs fans previews that he does for our website. Every AAA thing is like, eh, 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 you know, it's just a big struggle. Like he goes over what could possibly happen, but then just says, "I don't fucking know. Something will happen. Who knows? Just go watch it. It'll be fun." Like that's the preview. Is like he gives all this detail about the background and then goes, eh, "I don't know what they're gonna fucking do. Who knows? Who kn-? like on any given moment, hour to hour, five minutes to five minutes, as we said right there." It doesn't matter. It just things happen. Just things change. But the elite have come in to ruin the booking. So, oh yeah, the booking is totally ruined now, and they're <laughs> going to ruin the DNA of the promotion and and all of this. When you know, it's it's like the booking is a laughing stock already. I mean, it can't. The booking can't. It literally can't get any worse. So it doesn't matter. No one cares that the promotion isn't. That's the thing. Like no one cares that this promotion isn't well booked because everyone just knows what it is and accepts that at this point. Uh, you know, when you watch a big triple a show, you're going to get six or seven matches, four or five of them are going to be the same wild plunder match as the other four or five. And you're going to get a main event. You might get one match. That's completely terrible. You're going to get four or five wild plunder matches where people almost die. And that is the appeal of triple a. That is why fans of triple a watch triple a to see the wild plunder. To see uh, the nonsensical, it's just a it's just a fun, wild ride, and you know a lot of people aren't into it. I can't say I love it. It would drive me nuts watching this promotion every week. Um, but I'll drop in for the big shows, and I'll watch it now and then. 
And when people send me recs, I'll take a look at them. It's not a promotion that I would ever be able to watch on a week-in, week-out basis because it's just the antithesis of what we like. And I don't, I don't want to speak for you, but I would assume the same uh, just based on talking to you for seven years about this shit. That what we like in our wrestling. So no, it's not a promotion I'm going to be, you know, tuned into with, with uh, you know, full attention on a week-in, week-out basis. But AAA, you know, and, and that's the thing. Even when it's bad, it's fun bad. We've right. seen some bad That's triple mania. Triple mania is fun, bad every single year. I love it. Last year was actually good. I remember the last year show I actually legitimately liked, but most years we, as you said, when's the last time we talked about triple A? It was probably during triple mania because we make it a, 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 you know, a mission every single year to talk about triple mania because good, bad, ugly, whatever. It's just fun. It's just the three yeah. hours of just madness, just absolute madness, whether it's Vampiro farting, whether it's Vampiro getting in the ring, it's basically Vampiro being an asshole for three hours and it's fantastic. And there's, as you said, just giant, plunder matches there's clowns with fire coming out of their fists there's nonsensical book like you just you go and go okay my brain is ready for three hours of AAA. let's see what they have for me and, yeah. th- and that's what it is <laughs> yeah yeah no one attempts to make sense of it um you know it, it's just it, it it is what it is from that perspective so um the one thing we wanted to touch on before we talk about at least a couple of the matches here is it's this idea that the elite are going to come in here and ruin AAA. it's just silly i mean they're they're it's almost it's there's a million possible positives that could come out of this for AAA, and there's literally zero negatives. I don't see a single negative to this business relationship. Um, but look at all the potential positives, Rich. The way I see it, and you can tell me if you have the same read that I do. Um, you know, you know, people are worried about you know, I don't know the Young Bucks are tag team champions now. I wouldn't be shocked. It wouldn't shock me at all if they never wrestle a match in AAA again. Uh, the way I see this, this is perfectly set up for the Lucha Brothers to win their tag team titles back at double or nothing and um, give AAA, you know, with this with this relationship and with uh, the, the fact that they're going to be sharing talent back and forth, presumably, to give AAA exposure to an entirely new audience of wrestling fans who aren't paying any attention to AAA right now. And these all elite fans who may not be familiar, all these people who watch double or nothing or are going to watch being the elite or whatever the case may not even know that AAA has an English language show on Twitch. Right. You know, so that's a huge, huge positive that AAA may be able to take advantage of. They may be able to grow their fan base that way. And that is a huge positive for them to have this relationship. And I don't think there's, there's no other way to interpret this. What's the downside? What's the downside? That huge stars like the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega might show up in Mexico. That's that's a bad thing. I mean, you know, you know, once you get those guys over to the audience, uh, we all know that they're great performers, and we all know that they eventually get over no matter where they go. So, um, you know, there's no harm in aligning yourself with enormous stars, and there's no harm in aligning yourself with a promotion in the United States that can give your English language programming that you have going on here. A little more exposure. Do you have the same read here, or what? Absolutely, yeah. It, it, it's one of those where it works for both companies, and 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 the goal from both companies is not that their entire fan bases are going to move over, but that if they get a small percentage of fan bases, whether it's all elite fans checking out AAA or maybe AAA fans checking out all elite, whichever it may be, that that's what you're going for. That's what promotion, you know, relationships are for, and that's what this is. I mean, there, there's nothing nefarious. The Bucks aren't trying to cripple AAA, or they're just coming in <laughs> to win their titles. The, the Lucha Brothers are going to win the titles back at double or nothing. 
nothing. I 100% agree with you. That's probably all they're going to do. Uh, these titles, I, 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 you might not have a better idea than me, but I don't feel like these titles really matter all that much, right? Like they're, they're, I mean, they're, they're there, and they've been, you know, the team prior had had, had them for years, but it's not like it. You know, it's not like life or death. This company can survive a month or so without these titles being defended uh, in their company. And then, yeah, all you're doing is trying to sort of the, the relationship of, hey, you know, maybe a few of the All Elite fans check out AAAs on, on Twitch, which I'm sure they're going to pump up. I'm sure All Elite's going to mention it. And, and if they don't, then that would be a misstep by AAA. But I'm, I'm positive that that's going to be part of it. And the AAA then, you know, maybe can can get a few fans for All Elite too. Maybe there's some, some uh, you know, AAA fans that, that don't know anything about this All Elite, don't know anything about this alternative, and maybe check it out and, 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 and watch a few of the shows. And and if there's the Lucha Brothers are on there a little bit more, they check them out anytime they're on there. I mean, that's the goal is, yeah, it's, it's the, the idea that like, oh my God, I can't believe this is happening and they're they're invading like the goal is is you know with the ring of honor thing like we and we said it at the time too ring of honor was bending over backwards for those guys because those guys were, were were making them tons of money and we said at the time that roh had to prepare for them to leave because they were going to leave at some point you and i, I years and years and years two or three years ago saying get ready for the next step because when these guys leave you don't have much else ring of honor we could see that going on forever and ever and ever that that was not a great relationship for ring of honor other than obviously doing good business while those guys were there but like the long term of it was going to be okay what are you going to do when those guys leave this is to me seems so super short term and nothing anywhere near like uh, people invoking that People invoking Ring of Honor in this case is just absolutely ludicrous. That's not what this is for. This is a one, two-month little story they're going to tell to pump these guys up, and then maybe they share wrestlers here and there from time to time. That's all it is. The, the goal, they, they run almost two separate businesses in a lot of ways, too, because they're obviously in two different com- uh, countries. Uh, they have two different sort of operating standards and all that sort of stuff. All this is is all elite fans trying to go to AAA and AAA fans maybe going to all elite. That's it. There's nothing else to, to dive into and, oh, my God, and have some conspiracy theories about it. It's all, it's all ludicrous. Well, I mean... If your premise is that the elite were a bad thing for Ring of Honor, you're just lost. You know, that's an instant credibility killer to me if the premise of your argument is that the elite were bad for Ring of Honor. Um, it's not the elite's fault if Ring of Honor didn't prepare for life after the elite. Okay, that 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 has nothing to do with the elite. Um, but, you know, it, it, this is a company that did record business thanks to the elite. Right. Whether it was Kenny Omega popping that big house in Chicago, or whether it was doing six thousand fans in New Orleans, or whether it was you know um, their highest uh, total attendance over the course of a single year, like that, you know, all they broke records in nearly every town that they run, you know, in large part thanks to Cody and the Bucks and Kenny Omega's part time appearances and 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 the elite and all that. So it's like just from a straight now look here's the, here's the thing: if you don't like the Young Bucks, that's fine. That you know, that, I, I get it. You, you're right. you're entitled just say you don't to like the young bucks. Yeah, to say I don't like the young bucks, it's fine. Right, you know that's fine. But but to argue that the young bucks or the elite have been bad for any of the promotions they've been aligned with, there's zero evidence to back that up. And Rich, I, I mean that. There's literally zero evidence to suggest that the elite have been bad for any promotion that they've been aligned with. And there's overwhelming evidence that they've been good for the promotions that they've been aligned with. Um, at worst, a neutral, you know? Okay, New Japan, when it comes to them, look, Kenny's the only one that mattered. We've said that a million times. You know, the Young Bucks didn't matter. Hangman Page did not matter. Cody did not matter in the grand scheme of things in New Japan. Kenny Omega, enormous star, to the point where he's the only one that they're not scrubbing from their history right now, okay? Uh, you know, he still has a profile on their website. They are very much still open to doing business with Kenny Omega. They couldn't give a fuck if the Bucks or Cody or, or, or Hangman Page ever come back again. They don't care. 
but but Kenny Omega, of course. So this idea that the elite are somehow going to be a negative for AAA, all they can possibly be is a positive. Now, whether you want to watch the Young Bucks wrestle or not, that's entirely up to you. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that you're wrong for that because you're not. But the, you can't come at it from the perspective of, oh, my God, they're going to ruin AAA. And the idea that anything can ruin AAA booking is just completely absurd because the worst book promotion in the world and has been for a number of years. So uh, so anyway, the Bucks win these titles. Um, the, the, the finish didn't get over. The Bucks did not get over. Um, you know, the, the Lucha Brothers ended the year-long title reign of Tejano and a Scorpion. Uh, you know, in general, titles in Lucha don't mean that much. I mean, you know, hardcore Lucha observers will tell you that. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I have enough of a feel for these AAA tag team titles to tell you uh, whether these titles are held in higher regard or not. So I'm not going to speak on it. I don't know. I don't watch the promotion close enough to tell you whether this is somehow uh, tarnishing these titles. Based on my feel for the rest of the promotion, I'm leaning toward no. <laughs> that the only thing that they don't book amazingly well is, is yeah, the, the idea that this is an oasis of fantastic long-term booking and and great insights and into the pro wrestling business. Yeah, the, the it, I, I'm guessing <laughs> that the tag titles are probably not that. But that, well, that's just my guess. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. And a lot of times you look at these long title reigns um, in Mexico, and it's because they never the people just never defend their title because nobody cares. Um, in this case, though. I have seen this tag team defend these titles myself. So if yeah. I've seen them defend they, these They've titles, done it quite a few times. Yeah, I, I pumped that up because we, we on our Hall of Fame show, we were talking with a, a Cubs fan about, you know, some Hall of Famers. And, and we were looking at a few of these titles. And there was, you know, a world title in AAA that, you know, got defended twice in seven years or something like that. Right, right, this right. one, I mean, they, they have, all, I think, what, eight defenses, eight successful defenses. That doesn't surprise me. Seven or eight successful defenses for these guys. So, yeah. doesn't surprise me because every time I drop in, I've seen these titles defended by this team quite frequently because they defend them a lot on the bigger shows. And those are the shows I'm watching. So, um, now, I, could, I can't remember them off the top of my head or anything like that. But, um, but yeah, so I don't know. I have no idea. But it doesn't matter. Um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you're, you made a tremendous business deal with a company that can only help you. And now we're going to see if you're, if you're someone who doesn't bother with AAA or doesn't like Lucha or likes Lucha but just can't stand the, you know, the tone of the AAA promotion, but you, but you do plan on following AEW, you're going to see a lot of these talented AAA guys in AEW. You know, that's the other part of it that we haven't really talked about a ton. And that's exciting because there's a lot of cool wrestlers in this company that are going to uh, be exposed to entirely new audiences uh, with the AEW shows and give those AEW shows again uh, a, a, another, you know, much like the, uh, you know, Shima's acrobats from China there. Now you have the AAA talent. It's going to be a very eclectic show. It feels like with all kinds of different talent from all over the world working a bunch of different styles. So uh, from that perspective, yeah, I there's listen. You, if if you hate the elite, you hate the young bucks, and you, you just you gotta sometimes you gotta take a deep breath. Don't throw those emotional dumpster fire takes out there. If you look at this with calm, if you're calm and you look at this in a reasonable manner. Uh, I don't think there's any way that this can be um, analyzed as a positive for both companies. So uh, Bucks win the titles. There wasn't much to it. They basically just, uh, cause you remember, you know, there was already Lucha Bros had already won quote unquote, the main event, And really the time allotted for the main event, I guess was cut in half with these two mini matches. Cause the, the, both of them won about five minutes a piece or something like that. 
And um, so they weren't like awesome matches or anything. Um, the, the Bucks and the Lucha Bros, you know, both teams ran through some of their key spots and the Bucks won it with the Meltzer driver. And, uh, you know, they left the, uh, but, but yeah, I, I definitely think they're going to lose the titles right back at double or nothing. You know, already know that match is happening. You may as well make it for these belts. They already won on Lucha Brothers home turf. So now the Lucha Brothers can come and win on their home turf. So, and I don't think the Young Bucks will have any problem whatsoever losing on their own show. Oh, God, no. No, those guys yeah, never care. They, they don't care about winning or losing. And that's the other thing, too, where, like, oh, they're coming in and doing it. Like, those guys don't care. They'll lose anytime, anywhere against anybody. They don't give a shit. They're fine. They're just doing this because it makes sense for a rematch. You, you know what I mean? Like, that, it's, yeah, it, like I mean, you said, people just have this idea of what these guys are and whatnot. And, like, I'll admit, like, I like those guys. You know, I, I, I'm excited for AEW, and I, I'll admit that. But, like, you can just as easily admit that I don't like these guys. That's fine. I don't care you know i hate balloon guy i hate tk ryan like whatever on roh like there, there's things that you dislike and you just dislike it it's fine but yeah to make it some big gigantic big picture oh my god they've come in to to destroy this and the sanctity of triple a like the sanctity of triple a like jeff fucking jarrett was the mega champion like this year like it, within the calendar year johnny mundo has had that title uh, a bunch of times in this calendar year like it's it, it's triple a like it's just it, yeah it, it, it's bizarre when you see takes like that yeah. So uh, as far as the rest of the show goes, look, it was a big AAA show. There was a lot of plunder. It was a lot of wild, uh, crazy action. A lot of people almost died. Um, you know, so, you know, y- your boy Nino Hamburguesa and uh, Big Mommy retained those mixed tag team titles. In the How opener. awesome was that match? I bet it was great. Um, It was all right. I mean, the thing about their matches is, you know, I don't like that kind of shit. <laughs> the heavy-handed comedy, but then they always bust out a bunch of shit, which surprises the hell out of you. And you're like, you know that that there's always a bunch of cool spots. Yeah, in the I, I did enjoy. There was uh, one spot I saw in a GIF. I, I I've not seen that match yet though, where uh, the referee was just holding the ropes open so that somebody could. I think it was uh, it, it was my boy Hamburger. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was diving through. So I love that on the same show that the Young Bucks ruining the sanctity. Yeah, like, I mean this, this is what AAA is. It's the referee <laughs> holding the ropes open so a big fat guy can do a so the four hundred pound man can do the topet. <laughs> I mean, this is what AAA is. It's, you know, if people are acting like, you know, this is, you know, giant CMLL. Okay. If it's CMLL or Baba's All Japan, yes, I agree. You know yeah. what I mean? But it's fucking yeah. AAA. <laughs> like, it's a disaster. They're acting like this is Sam Mushnick's St. Louis territory <laughs> and the elite are coming in to, to destroy the booking. I mean, give me a break. It's AAA. I mean, come on. You got to you gotta know what you're watching. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. what this comes down to is just that it's, it's a rational hatred, Rich. The elite. They just eat through people's brains and, you know, it removes all logic and, and, and uh, you know, from, from the uh, from the discourse when it comes to people's hatred for the elite. But, uh, yeah, a ton of plunder, a ton of craziness up and down the card. Um, you know, the business end of the card, you had the, you had the cage match where you had uh, 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 Mamba, Maximo, and I think it was a cycle clown, of course. And then the other side, your boy Jeff Jarrett, who, you know, <laughs> is a front office employee of WWE, very high ranking from what we understand. Uh, Killer Cross and, and, and Mascara on the other side. Jarrett, I don't know how much he was paid for this match, but he basically, <laughs> you know, he, he essentially immediately climbed out of the cage, um, you know, picked on Super Porky, who doesn't wrestle anymore, and he's out there on a walker. And, uh, you know, a Psycho Clown came to the rescue uh, to what I believe is his old man. And... Um, and Super Porky delivered some awful chops to Jeff Jarrett while being supported by this walker. Jarrett sold him like a million bucks, like they were shotgun shots. 
And then, uh, and then he just walked to the back, never to be seen again. So That's Jeff Jarrett, what a gig, what a gig that Billy has. I mean, uh, Jeff Jarrett wins. is unfreaking believable. You can be a high-ranking WWE <laughs> official, work a AAA show, uh, Global Force, and Fight TV presents. You know the WrestleMania yeah. weekend package. <laughs> like it's just you can do everything. How is this man able to do everything? It's listen. Jarrett always wins. Unbelievable. The greatest. He, now you're believing that I, when I say he's the greatest businessman of all time, he's that. It, it might not, maybe not on dollar figure wise, but in terms of like maximizing so little, I mean, he he's an all time maximizer. The, the, what he does with what he has is is is, is shocking. But this man held up Vince McMahon for six <laughs> figures, and now he's an executive in his company. I mean, you know, it's just, it's, it's incredible. At AAA, he shows up drunk, <laughs> tossing tortillas to people, and they give yeah. him their world title. Again, the sanctity of this company who said, you know that drunk right. guy that threw tortillas at our fans? You know, that'd be a pretty good idea to give him the world title. That'd be kind of cool, right? You know, right. so, but yeah, again, <laughs> the sanctity but, but of AAA. The, yeah. but, the, but, the, but the Young Bucks doing a program with the Lucha <laughs> Brothers, is that's going to ruin the booking in AAA. <laughs> that's going to ruin the DNA of the company. Um, you know, it's just insane. This psycho clown is over like a motherfucker. Oh, I fucking love. It. He's my favorite wrestler in the world. I love he, it. The fucking flames. The, the he's one of these days. He's gonna eviscerate like an entire row of people, but it's gonna be great, and everyone's gonna love it anyway. But like, they'll they'll want to be eviscerated by the uh, psycho clown uh, hand flame thrower, whatever the hell that thing is. But uh, I love it. I love psycho clown. Yeah, I mean, he's over like crazy. And then, uh, of course, you had the and his side won the match, of course. And then there was a great spot early in the match. I have to bring this up because I got to give him credit, you know, because we always put over Togi Makabe for doing similar shit. I got to put over my boy Maximo. You know, I love me some Maximo. Okay. I miss Maximo coming over for, for Fantastic Mania. You know, he made the jump to well. After he destroyed someone's car out in the parking lot and got caught on video tape, <laughs> yeah. he, he jumped AAA. But, um, you know, there was a spot early, the first spot of the match, in fact. Okay. You've, you've seen this spot a million times, Rich, in every cage match you've ever seen. The old reversal of an Irish whip, and then you get whipped into the cage, right? Of course. Yes, that yeah, spot. yeah, yeah, yeah. Standard spot. I feel like it's almost law that you have to open every cage match with that spot. So, you know, the Jarrett cross mascara team, they reverse the Irish whip and they whip the three um, baby faces here into the cage. Actually, I don't even know who the faces and heels are, to be honest with you. It's just it's such a shit show. But, uh, you know, the cycle clown team, I'm assuming, were the baby phase there. So they reverse the uh, Irish whip. And cycle clown and, and, and Mamba take, you know, the wild face first bump into the cage. Right. Maximo just kind of slows down and and breaks into the slow jog. You know the slow jog you do when you're crossing the street. And oh yeah, down? yeah. The I'm I'm going faster, but I'm not actually going faster. The oh, I'm sorry. Let me get across the street quicker. And then yeah, you you, you move your arms a little bit. You, you, your head kind of bobs a little bit. But you've gone no no quicker. You've actually maybe gone slower by stopping and acknowledging that you're going faster. So yes, I, I know it very well. A, you do the pantomime jog. Yeah, I'm a frequent. <laughs> frequent. I do that all the time. Like you said, it's like you're telling the driver of the car. Thank you for letting me go, but I really don't feel like hustling. So I'm just going to pantomime that I'm hustling across the street. So Maximo breaks into like the pantomime jog and then just stops at the ropes. I'm not taking that face for, but fuck you. You know, I'm, I, this is a 20 minute cage match. Okay. I am not taking this face first bump into the cage, but it was just funny because the camera caught him uh, totally blowing off the bump. And all I could think about was that man gets it. That's a guy 
who knows what's going on because he's probably got one or two big bumps, you know, uh, you know, in, in, in the holster for this match. And he's not going face first into this cage in the first 30 seconds. And then of course we had the, uh, Ray the Reyes match, which was the best match on the show. I did not. And I watched the show live, but of course the one match I was really waiting for, uh, the only match I was really waiting for was the Ray Reyes match and something came up and I had to stop watching the show as soon as they were doing the uh, ring introductions. But I did go back and watch the match before we recorded. So I did check it out. It was the best match on the show uh, by far. And this wasn't a terrible show. I mean, um, you know, the three plunder matches that preceded this were all entertaining in their own way. They were entertaining in a triple A way. And I know Rich, you know exactly what I'm talking oh, yeah. about. When I say that. Okay. But this was the uh, the best match on the show because the Lucha Bros title win was 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 a short match and the Young Bucks match was a short match with very little heat. Um, this was the best match on the show because um, you know it had all these uh, wild um, flyers involved and whatnot, and, uh, and it was of course the big uh, uh, Ray Dureyes match won by Arrowstar, and this was really good. I think it went about thirty minutes. Uh, Taurus who attacked. Cody early in the show was an absolute beast here. He had three or four. Let me pull it up. So I'm not guessing anymore. I got it right in front of me. He had uh, three eliminations. He got rid of uh, basically uh, the three biggest geeks in the match. The uh, uh, Eclipse, then, uh, then, uh, how do you pronounce that? Ven Vengador Jr. I was gonna say Vengador. Vengador yeah, Jr. I was gonna say Vengador, but uh, I'm probably I'm not, so probably not the guy to ask about any Spanish names. But uh, yeah, why am I asking you? I was gonna say that you could literally one of your children probably knows more Spanish than than I do. So yeah, probably a good idea to ask them instead. Not real familiar with that dude, gonna be honest. Mister C's Jr. and Golden Magic, but you know, aside from the eliminations, there were just a couple different sequences here with this Taurus. And I don't know how familiar you are with him. He's been on MLW over the past couple of weeks. Um, yeah. He, mm -hmm. he wrestled uh, a match or two on AAA when they taped in, in Mexico. But this guy is now people who follow AAA already know. Okay. But for people who don't follow AAA, this is a potential breakout guy for 2019. I mean, if AEW brings him in and there's no reason not to, I mean, if, if Cody and the bucks are at this show and they're paying any attention, I mean, this is one of the guys you circle on the fucking roster and you say, can we have this dude? We want this guy and we want to put him on the first episode of our TV. Okay. The first episode of AEW TV should be, uh, Shima's Chinese acrobats in the opener. Okay, against a couple of good, solid veteran hands to make sure that nothing goes awry. And match number two needs to be Taurus destroying somebody. Okay, that's how I'm laying out the TV if I'm doing AEW TV. Okay, so I would expect to see this guy in AEW. He's already broken through in places like MLW and and uh, and Impact. Uh, so you know that people like Don Callis and, and Court Bauer, who kind of, you know, these are people who many years in the business, they see what everybody else sees in this guy. This dude, is a potential breakout star, and uh, he was arguably the star of this match, at minimum, the star of the first half of the match before it came down to uh, the meat and potatoes. El Hijo del Vikingo is another guy who is going to be a worldwide star. Yes, There's yeah, no he's awesome. He's awesome. I, I, I've seen a little bit of him, not a, not a ton. Everything I've yeah. seen is impressive as hell. He, he looks awesome. Yeah, and I mean, he didn't get a ton of shine in this match, but he did last towards the end. He was one of the final three, um, but but and he did get to score an elimination. He eliminated Jack Evans, but he's a guy who, you know, tracked down his stuff. Now, from what I'm told, he's a little shy. 
He's uh, he's low key. He's brand new to the business. He's young, so he's not a you know he's a guy who it might take a while just because personality wise, um, he might get eaten up a little bit at first. But the talent is undeniable, and there, he's another guy where if I'm there with eight, if I'm Cody, that's another name I'm circling on the sheet. I want this fucking guy. Okay, there's no question about it. So uh, he did all right. He made the final three. Uh, it came down to Arrow Star and Laredo Kid. Now, to, now this should be noted too. To eliminate Taurus, they did the deal where everybody did the pile on on top of him. So he was positioned as the monster here. Yeah, and he looks. Oh, by the way, if people haven't seen his look either, incredible. One of the best looks in wrestling right now. It, far and away, my favorite of, of of like lucha looks. Like he's got a big, you know, what, I, what would you describe it? Like a big bull mask with a bunch of hair. He's got like War Raiders gear on, but he looks like a million bucks. He looks awesome. He's in pretty decent shape too. Yeah, he he's got a great look, a real projectable look too. He's a human bull. Yeah, (laughs) he's got he's he's furry. He's got the fucking horns. You know, Jim Cornette didn't know what to make of him. Uh, I can't imagine Jim Cornette seeing that guy, but he brought his eyes lit up. I mean, Cornette would have loved that dude in the early 90s for sure. Like he's got a big ring hanging out through his nose because he's a bull. You know, he's Uh, what he is. He's Jim Cornette should know he's Mantar, but good. Yes, right. Right. There you go. Yeah. I forgot about Mantar. (laughs) I don't know. how He's Mantar, but good. You know? Yeah, he fucking kills people. He moves well. He's a fucking brute. You know, so they piled up to eliminate him. Uh, Sammy Guevara was in the match. I guess I should run it down. The other people in the match, uh, aside from uh, 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 Vengador Jr. and Mr. C Jr. and Golden Magic, you had Jack Evans, you had Sammy Guevara, and then uh, you had uh, um, El Hijo del Vikingo and 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 Torus, who we've talked about. And then it came down to Arrow Star and Laredo Kid. And this is what I really liked about this match: is yeah. All the wildness. What it is, is it's a match where it starts with two guys, and then every minute, another guy comes in. Okay? So that's the structure of the match. And Every time a new guy comes in, he basically gets a minute to shine. And he basically empties the fucking holster and does all of his trademark shit and looks good. And there's a million flippy dudes. In the case of Taurus, he's just fucking destroying people. And so everyone gets a chance to shine for about a minute. Okay? From there, once everyone gets in there, some guys tend to disappear a little bit. Okay, and then there's just eliminations from there. Pinfall, submission, you know. So it's kind of like one part Royal Rumble, one part, I don't know what you want to call it. What is there, about eight guys in this match? Uh, Yeah, I forget the exact number. I think it's nine, eight or nine, yeah. Yeah, so they come in one-minute intervals, and it's just a wild spot fest to start. But then when it got down to the final two, which were Arrowstar and Laredo Kid, Arrowstar, uh, everybody piled up to eliminate Taurus. Arrowstar eliminated El Hijo del Vikingo, and then it came down to Arrowstar versus Laredo Kid. It kind of just, for their final, and I guess they had four or five minutes to themselves, was just a really hot, what you would call like a really hot uh, finish of the third fall of a really good CMLL match. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Okay. And, And what I really liked about it was, okay, so in the United States and in Europe, and in Japan, um, if you know, with Puro and, all, and and American wrestling, it's like in a big match. You know, a lot of house styles around the world you're kicking out of each other's shit. There's a lot of near falls, right? Lucha, you don't really get that. Do you notice that, Rich? Like, especially if you don't watch lucha frequently, it really hits you. Guys hit a big move in lucha. Generally, the fall or the match is going to end right there. Now. Here, because this came down to the last two guys in this match, there were a ton of near falls, and they stood out. And the reason they stood out is because you don't see a ton of near falls 
in Lucha. So it, it stood out more than it would have on a, on, a, on a Japanese show or an American indie show or even a WWE show when Aerostar and Laredo Kid were kicking out of each other's shit. And they really did a good job uh, building the tension and getting the crowd into it. And eventually Aerostar picked up the win and is your 2019 uh, Ray D. Reyes. I, this is a 100% a notebook match. There's no question about it. Um, go out of your way to see it. I just watched it 10 minutes before we recorded. And um, well worth your time. I'd probably go four and a quarter, somewhere in that range on it. Um, a lot of fun. And the star of the match, without a doubt, uh, was Taurus. So uh, that is your 2019 Ray De Reyes. All right, so it sounds like a interesting show. I, I, there's some things I, w- I definitely want to check out. I have not had a chance to watch a, a ton of it, but I do want to check out that Ray DeReyes match. Uh, as you said, I might. I, I thought I wanted to see those last two matches, but I might kind of wait for the the official Phoenix uh, Pentagon Bucks match. You know, at, at Double or Nothing. I think I'm you sure know the go thing about it is it's so they're both so short. I mean, if you're gonna watch the Ray DeReyes, that's match, true. I mean, it's 14 minutes of my life. I mean, it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's newsworthy. You may as well just right, right, right. You know, watch them just so you can, you know, see it and have your finger on the pulse with it. Um, but yeah, so it, it's not like it's gonna eat up a, a ton of your time. I mean, Rich, and this, you know, I'm gonna be the master of the segue here, my friend. Rich, you sat through a 60 minute Jay Lethal Matt Taven match on tape, knowing it was gonna be 60 minutes. I think you can handle seven it's minutes true. of the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros. I think that is a fantastic segue. So the ROH's 17th anniversary show from Friday night. Uh, ROH's big anniversary show. Uh, I watched it. You watched it. Let's break it down here. I think the the, the bigger story, and I think we have to, we have to talk about it first off, uh, which you mentioned there, Jay Lethal versus Matt Taven, 60-minute time limit draw. Uh, Joe, what did you think when you heard that Jay Lethal and Matt Taven had a 60-minute draw? Well, I watched live. Oh, so, so, what, so was there a moment? Because you always say how, like, when you're when you're watching a match that's about to go, you know, like, there's some point where you're like, ah, fuck, these dudes are going 60 minutes. Did you get that at a point in this match? And when did you get it uh, in that match? Yeah, once the balloons rose from under the ring and the kingdom got involved and, and they did the whole thing where Gresham came out and then, uh, you know, uh, Silas Young destroyed his knee and that whole big clusterfuck. And then they did the big near fall at the end of that clusterfuck portion. I said, yeah, this thing's going all the way. Because if they didn't end the match there, and we were already probably 25, 30 minutes in, um, they were probably going to go all the way with it. So, yeah, um, they didn't tip it off super early. A lot of times, you know, people are going 60 within the first 10 minutes. Right, the pacing of it. And that's that's something that I found pretty remarkable about this match is that the, the pacing to me, and, and and full disclosure, I actually enjoyed this match. I, I don't know what you thought about it. We have not talked about it before. But do, is it one of my favorite matches of the year? No. Is it way better than I had any anticipation of a Jay Lethal, Matt Taven time limit draw? 60 minute time limit draw being it was it far exceeded those expectations. I thought it was pretty damn good. I enjoyed it. What did you think of it? Yeah, I liked it too. There you go. Okay. So um, I, was, I thought that was gonna be my hot take is that I like this match, but no. No, and normally, you know, it's sometimes with these 60 minute matches. I mean, but but yeah, the pacing is is the thing. I thought it was very well paced. And, you know, there was there was uh, you know, the early limb work by Taven, which yeah, there were points in the match where, where Lethal abandoned it or whatnot. And you can nitpick this thing. I thought that run-in that I talked about was absurd because yeah, I, I everything – it was right in full view of Sinclair, Todd Sinclair. You have to specify that since Sinclair owns the company. 
but it was in full view. Todd Sinclair doesn't own the company. Sinclair Broadcasting. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Um, but in full view of the referee, because you know they just didn't perform the spot well. You have balloon guy hop in the ring and kick, you know, lethal in the balls or whatever it was. And it's like, well, why didn't they just end it right there? You know. And it's like, you know, it, Todd Sinclair wasn't supposed to. See. So that was messy. Okay. And what they also did. Okay, th- th- what they also did too, and then once I saw them attack Gresham on the rail, okay, so the, the match, this was supposed to be a tag team match between, this was supposed to be the the other two members of the kingdom against Tracy Williams and who was his uh, Haskins, Haskins. And Haskins. But Taven hopped in the ring and said, I don't want to wait. I want to wrestle Jay Lethal right now, which should have been everybody's red flag that they could go 60 because why are you doing it in the middle of the show? So that bumped the Kingdom tag team match off of the show. And then when they attacked Gresham, I was like, oh, well, now they're eliminating the Gresham match from the show. That's how I knew they were going 60 at that point. So I'm like, oh, I get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That makes Does sense. it make sense now? Yeah, yeah. So See, because I, I watched like, it knowing it went 60. Uh, so yeah. that makes a ton of sense that that would be the, the, the sort of the jump off point. That, that was my tip yeah. off because then I said, okay, they just eliminated two matches from the show. This is happening in the middle of the show. These motherfuckers are going 60 minutes here. Um, so look, I didn't love everything about the match, but for a 60 minute match, I thought it was well paced and for a 60 minute match and, and especially involving Matt Taven and Jay Lethal, <laughs> yes, it held my attention shockingly well. You know, I didn't drift off a ton during this match. Everything they did was somewhat interesting, including, you know, some of the limb work early, which, which kind of played in to the rest of the match. And then I thought after the run in nonsense. And after they did the Gresham angle, the match was super hot. After yes. That. Yeah, it really was. And, and, and the other thing that's impressive about it, which is why I can't, you know, bury the match either. They held the live crowd's attention for the full hour. They had that crowd in the palm of their fucking hands. And it stunned me because I talked about the go home angle for the, for this match. And the, that was to crickets. It seemed like no one cared. But in practice, when they when they had the match, they went 60 minutes and held the crowd's attention all the way. And the crowd was red hot by the end. And then after the finish, they're chanting five more minutes. So they obviously liked what they saw. You know, so, you know, I, I can't sit here and tell you as much as I would love, love to bury a 60 minute Jay Lethal Matt Taven match. I would love nothing more than to do that. Believe me. I can't. I can't. It was over with the live crowd. It was exciting down the stretch. Uh, it held my attention all the way through. Uh, you know, I thought it was a pretty good match. I'd go about four stars on this thing. Yeah. Yeah. I went four and a quarter actually. I, I really, I liked it a lot. And I think the things that are really cool is like the pacing. Like you said, it, it's very difficult to pace a 60 minute match. There's, there's a many different ways where you can do it. You can do the slow guys just kind of sit on the ground and, and work holds over each other. And that's sort of what takes you through a big chunk of the match or whatever. But this one, it felt like there was that at the beginning. Like you said, there was kind of that, that limb work. There was kind of that slow down pace. And then, as you said, that big angle in the middle happened. And, and I didn't love that angle either. I thought it was a little silly and a little goofy, but it made all the sense in the world why it happened you needed to eliminate any possible guys running in any possible things going on and like you said it had to you had to eliminate one of the other matches as well so it made sense in in, in you know in, in practicality why that angle happened but then from that point on they basically decided okay what we're going to do is we're going to build up to one big spot and then we're going to let that big spot 
really, we're just going to let that sort of breathe for a little bit, about five, 10 minutes or whatever. And then we're going to go to our next big spot. And we're going to let that breathe for five, 10 minutes. And like what happened was, is and, and to the credit of, of those guys is that they were able in that, in that time between those big spots is get the crowd still excited about it. Get the crowd doing, do just enough to get the crowd to never at any point feel bored. And that's to me, the most remarkable thing is I thought I was going to pop on this 60 minute match. And I said, Oh my God, it's Matt Taven and Jay lethal. Like the crowds usually don't care about these guys. If they were in a 10 minute match, if they were a five minute match, like you said, the angle that they had on the go home show, nobody gave a shit. Like these are guys that, that actively very usually do people don't give a shit about them. And, and, and for good reason, like they're not the most exciting wrestlers. They're not the most exciting characters or whatnot, but to their credit, those guys just nailed it. Uh, Taven. I think this is one of his best performances ever. If not one, uh, not, if not his best performance ever. And I thought lethal uh, was great in his own right too, but, being able to sort of pace out those big spots, pace out the plunder spots, pace out everything so that even the smallest thing that they did mattered. Like there was a point where I think Taven went over the top rope for kind of like a, a plancha or something like that. And that was like the big spot for the next five minutes or whatever. But he did it in such a way that like the crowd bought it. They bought in. They were into it. They loved it. And, and it got behind him. And, and it was it was just it was a unbelievable 60 minute match to me because I usually don't like them. I'm, I'm not saying again, I'm not saying it's a match of the year contender. I'm not saying it's anything you have to, you know, scrap up your match of the year top 10 because you get this one's got to be in it like it wasn't that but having a 60 minute match is not easy at all it is very difficult and i give them all the credit in the world for keeping the, the crowd engaged keeping me engaged at, at home because i in a million years never thought i'd be engaged uh through a lethal and taven and i thought you know watching it on on the pay-per-view uh, i thought ian uh caprice and, and all just did an incredible job too of talking about the the, the mentality of going through a 60 minute match the mentality of, of doing that sort of stuff and, and ian who, who we give a we talk about a bunch is one of the best play-by-play guys in wrestling these days uh just did an incredible job i thought throughout this match too of really building to the moments escalating those moments making those moments feel important making everything feel important so so yeah i i'm, I'm two thumbs up on this match i really really enjoyed it one thing i i'll give it one you gave a few critiques i have one big critique as well is i don't think they tease the 60 minute time limit nearly enough i like the idea of the guy on the house mike bobby crew is going there's 10 minutes remaining like they used to do that all the time in, in, in ring of honor i was at shows i was at you know punk and, and joe and and all those sort of ones where they went you know the time limit and and they were good about saying okay we have 10 minutes left or 10 minutes left or whatever and that i think builds anticipation because what you had in this match was they did a spot and then Sinclair gets ready for the pin and then the bell just rings and he goes, ah, sorry, like, that's it. It's over. And the crowd just kind of went, oh, and like, you could have built to that moment, you know, like old school WCW would do that too. You know, they do their openers or whatever on old Clash of the Champions or whatever. And they'd say, all right, five more seconds and then four, three, two, you know what I mean? Like the crowd really gets anticipated and really gets, gets jacked up for it. But I, that's one of the things I would have maybe included a little bit more, a little bit more teases to the crowd that, okay, we're, we're in the final stretch here. We got one more minute until this match hits the time limit draw. I would have liked a little bit of that, but I guess I understand why they didn't do that, but I prefer more of the let's make it obvious that this thing is about up against the time. And I, I, I enjoy I, that aspect a little bit. I will counter that point. I hate when, when companies do that. Do you? Okay. I, I'm on the opposite side of you. I think it gives it away. Uh, you know, I like it better where they don't do that because I think once they start, unless it's a promotion that always does it for every match. You're right. Yeah, yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? Like New but, Japan, but, every 10 minutes will tell you it's 10 minutes, you know, 10 minutes. Yeah. 10 minutes past 10 minutes. Yeah. Every time, every match, no, no, no question. So then it doesn't give anything away, but when it's a promotion that never does that. And all of a sudden the ring announcer gets on there and says 20 minutes remaining, 10 minutes, remaining, you know that they're either going all the way or the finish is coming in the final seconds. And yeah, that does kind of, um, yeah, that does kind of bother me, but, um, but yeah, so uh, shockingly good, in my opinion. If you would have told me, um, you know, 
if I had not watched live and told me this, Matt, I, I, you're braver than me. I wouldn't have watched. I would not have watched Jay Lethal and Matt Taven have a 60 minute match. So uh, I probably, you know, I would have ended up missing a match that, you know, at the end of the day, I ended up enjoying. So, so there you go. That was the, well, it was the main event, which was held in the middle of the show. Now, let me, <laughs> yeah. get, let, let me get your opinion on this. I think that the Kingdom Tag Match and the Gresham Silas Young Match were a red herring all along, and they never intended to have those matches. There's other people saying they knew that the show was over time by that point, reformatted it on the fly, and cut those matches. I don't yeah. think so. To me, it all felt seamless. Like, yeah, I, I don't. That, that, yeah, that, that's a lot of work and a lot of people to get sort of. Because you would have had the, the right, you yeah. would have had to write an angle into this match to eliminate the Gresham Silas Young match, where if they were really felt that they were short on time and and over their time, they just would have eliminated those two matches and not said anything. Because who would have, you know what I mean? It's like, I don't know. I I, I feel like the plan all along was to do these two angles to eliminate those two matches. Um, that that's that's my take on it anyway. And then they did the thing at the end of the show where, you know, they uh, they pretended like they had additional satellite time that they asked for. <laughs> I loved Ian. Yeah, we yeah. have talked to the satellite companies. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah. They ring about. Yeah, like it's not how that works. On the, on the phone with Directv. Hey guys, can we have five more minutes? Yeah, sure, guys. As yeah. a guy on a switchboard, you know, like, like it's whatever. Yeah, like that, that always act like it's still 1995. Like in 1995, yes, there was one pay per view channel, and like you had to get off channel 95 to let the next show go on. But like it's just you know it's not how pay per view yeah. works anymore. But I love the idea of satellite time. Like they're just gonna just gonna hit the button and you're off. Get out of here, you guys. You're done. Yeah, <laughs> Rick Boney did sell it. Now, quick note on the commentary. I thought this was the best Caprice Coleman performance ever because yeah. he's typically yeah, he pretty. He's typically pretty bad. Um, but all through this show, I thought he was excellent, and he added a lot. It wasn't even that he just wasn't bad. He 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 actively added to the broadcast. Rick Boney, we always put him over. I'm going to pick on him a little bit. I'm going to pick on him a little bit because I think, I, you know, by the 19th time on this show, during a near fall that he screamed, insert name here is on their way to Madison Square Garden. Oh, he kicked out. Ian. Calm down. You didn't have to, you know, he made that call a thousand times during this show. And every title match, every time there was a near fall, he was screaming about the person almost getting the fall, being on their way to Madison Square Garden. And it started to drive me nuts, especially in the lethal Taven match because of all those near falls down the stretch. So, but otherwise, Riccoboni is always um, solid as fuck. But I got to be fair, that annoyed the hell out of me. And I did have it on my notes. So I wanted to bring it up. Uh, did you watch the entire show? I've seen everything. Yeah. So every, every, Second of this entire show I've seen. Marty Skull. Skrull. I call him Skull. Marty Skull. <laughs> Marty Skrull defeats Kenny K-I-N-G King, <laughs> which is the last thing anyone wants to hear when they go it's to a wrestling terrible. show. Yeah, he's he's so bad. I used to really like Kenny King, too. <laughs> he's just bad now. So you get Kenny King. Uh, the match wasn't bad. Um, it was all right. Now, another contributing factor, I got to give him credit. Because I don't think he was tipped off to it, but he did mention it uh, during uh, the show. Is uh, our pal Rob Viper uh, chimed in after this match was over on Twitter, and he said, "Okay, so Lethal and Taven are going to a sixty-minute draw, and then Kenny King is going to complain that he got screwed against Marty Skrull, and we're going to have ourselves a four-way at MSG." Oh, no. oh dear God! <laughs> yeah, and 
he was he was almost right. Like, yeah, he, he was he, very close. Yeah, he nailed a lot of that. The only thing he didn't nail now now what he's saying actually makes sense because Kenny King was preparing himself as a number one contender, and he did get cheated here. But that fed into the the story they've been telling with Kenny. Kenny King has been cheating in all of his matches right during his winning streak. So this time he had the tables turned and the babyface, the villain, because that's part of his whole shtick, even as a face, turned around and beat him using nefarious means. So the heel got his comeuppance. He got a taste of his own medicine. He lost. But I wouldn't have been stunned at all if that whole scenario played out and he angled it. It may still happen for all we know. He might oh, come out. Please, your God. The, please, your God, don't happen. Please. He might do a promo on TV and they might shoehorn him in there as well because they've been building all of these guys up as top contenders. We talked about it last week, but I didn't think that this match was bad, especially considering my expectations are pretty low these days when it comes to Kenny King. Uh, what'd you think of this? Yeah, I enjoyed it a little bit more than I, 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 I thought I would. I mean, Marty is super over, and that always helps too. I mean, he doesn't really have to so do anything but so flap over. his hands and get ready for the chicken wing, and crowds go absolutely fucking nuts for him. So uh, good for him. And yeah, I thought King was, was was fine in this match. He's usually to me, he's like go away heat these days, where I just I hate. Like you said, when you hear the K, I'm like, oh god damn it! Like here we yeah. go, and it's always going to be like 12 minutes. It's you know, it's yeah. never too long, but it's never too short. And it's right. just like fine, <laughs> but I've been seeing fine Kenny King matches for like a decade and a half now, and I'm kind of just over it. But uh, no, I thought this one was pretty good, and, and largely just because the crowd just so behind Marty, uh, and Marty just anything that he does, he just touches anything he touches turns to gold, and and, and anywhere he wrestles these days. So yeah, it was fun enough, but uh, yeah, b- better than I expected, but not great. Yeah. So uh, now we've got the three way. So it's going to be Marty Skrull, Matt Taven, and Jay Lethal and <laughs> MSG in the ladder match. Which, uh, you know, it's, it's, look, Rich, I think it's one of those things. These companies get these big shows. We've been talking about it for years and they want to reward people who work hard. And I understand that and I get it. They want to shoehorn everybody onto these shows. And to me, again, we've had this conversation a million times. Maybe I'm just cold. Maybe I just am too old school. To me, you have these big shows. It's the people that are over that should be on these shows. And right now, Marty Skrull, as you noted, is super over. Uh, he They've been doing this long storyline, waiting for him to get his title shot. This match, you want to have the ladder involved, knock yourself out with the ladder. I don't care about that. But this match should be Marty Skrull challenging Jay Lethal one-on-one for the ROH world title. It's the story they've been telling for months. There's no reason to get Matt Taven involved here. You want to keep Matt Taven at the top of the card? You want to keep him hot? You want to go let him go on TV and complain that Jay Lethal didn't beat him and he all by right should still be number one contender and maybe have him get a title shot yeah, against good. the winner? I, that's fine. After Madison Square Garden. <laughs> I have no problem with that whatsoever. But this totally ruins that match by inserting a third person. Now, it's a ladder match and it's Madison Square Garden and you know all three of these guys want to knock it out of the park. It might be a great match. Oh, I'm sure In it's going to be. Oh, I'm positive it it's going to be a great be. match. Yeah, it probably it's going to be a good be. match. But it's not, I don't want this. I don't want this. I'm tired of these multi-person and multi-team and multi-fucking multi-bullshit match. Just give me the two hottest people. Let them cut angry promos at each other. Ring the bell. That's all I want. I'm so tired of this stuff. Yeah, it's just, it, it, it's overdoing it, like you said. I mean, the moment speaks for itself. All you need to have is Marty beating Kenny King in the middle of that ring one-on-one via pinfall 
no bullshit, no other nefarious. Like even the latter to me is a little bit annoying because Jay I think lethal. it's uh, Jay Lethal. Yeah, sorry, I don't know. God damn, <laughs> what a terrible scenario. I just oh, there, I, yeah. I, I, thought, I thought you were talking about the the, the match here and then segueing it. But it no, no, no. But like, yeah, the, the story there is Jay Lethal gets pinned by Marty Scroll in the middle of the ring in MS Madison Square Garden. Huge pop. He's got the title. That's it. Like that's the story. It's it. It's it's that simple. Adding the ladder match, whatever. I don't think you need that. But if you want the visual of Marty climbing up the ladder and doing it, yeah, it's perfect. But now you have. Matt, I mean, the Matt David has no purpose for being in this match. He didn't win the title. He <laughs> went to a draw with the champion. That's not winning the title. That's not winning the match. He went to a draw. I'm sorry, you don't get the title shot. Like, I guess again, that's I guess that's his claim, though that he didn't lose. Yeah, but that's fucking terrible. Like, it's a stupid story. You, you know, like I, I just I hate it. It's just like like you're saying. I, I understand why they do it. I understand the backstage reasons why they do it. But Matt Taven can just get his title shot afterwards. Matt Taven can complain. Matt Taven can go have a great match at Madison Square Garden and get on the mic afterwards and say, whoever wins that world title at the main event, I'm facing you next because I never lost against Jay Lee. Whatever. If that's what you want to do, you want to do fine. But like to, to insert him, it's just it's overthinking it. It's just doing too much. Just keep it fucking simple. It's pro wrestling. It's not hard. Guy A beats Guy B for the title. The end. Like it's not hard we talk about this all the time when we're ranting about WWE. it's just it's you don't have to reinvent the wheel you don't have to do all this crazy shit it's just sometimes the simplest story is the best story the simplest story was marty scroll just beats jay lethal in the middle of the ring and holds up that title but they have to complicate it they have to be a ladder match they have to have a third guy in there it's got to be matt taven there's going to be you know shenanigans the kingdom is going to come out all that sort of shit just have the guy win you know it's not that hard but whatever yeah well it's you know in a way i'm glad they did it you know people for anyone who thinks we were unfair when we say this about WWE, we say it about everybody. We say it about New Japan. We're saying it here in this scenario. There's very few scenarios where these companies book three ways, and I think it's good. I'm just, I'm just never into it. But, uh, but we'll have the three way at MSG for now. We'll see if Kenny King can worm his way into it. Would not stun me at all. And uh, next up, we had Jeff Cobb defending the ROH World Television Title against Shane Taylor. And holy shit, did this rule. Oh, it ruled so much. I'm so glad you like this match, too. Oh, my God. I went in saying I didn't know anything about this match. I didn't hear anybody talk about it or any reactions to it or, I, or whatever. So I said, okay, Jeff Cobb, Shane Taylor. I usually think Shane Taylor kind of stinks. Uh, and Jeff Cobb, we always talk about on the show. He's he can he's hot or cold. He's either fucking killing it in a match with you know, Hangman Page or he's just, like, disappointing the entire time and you're waiting for him to be a monster. This rocked so much. These were two bulls, two hosses just slapping. Oh, my God. I love this match so much. It was so good. My favorite spot in the entire match, Joe. I, I got up and, and, and just cheered. Jeff Cobb throws a lariat to Shane Taylor, and the momentum is too much because he had to go through this giant bull of Shane Taylor that Jeff Cobb falls out of the ring, too. He rolls and falls out of the ring, and I was like, this is a hoss battle, baby. Let's go. Yeah. I love this yeah. match so much. This was a hoss battle. That's exactly right. It was Men, meat, just meat and men. It was just meat slamming <laughs> yeah. into each other. Right. Yeah, that's this what, what this I want was. out of Jeff Cobb all the time. This is it. This is the Jeff Cobb I want. None of this, you know. Sometimes he's a little too careful. I just want a big fucking dude. You know what I mean? A big ass dude just slapping guys, and that's exactly what he did here. And he did all of his shit with a dude who's pushing four hundred pounds. You know, so there's something to be said for that, too. Guy's a powerhouse. Yeah, this was so entertaining. Um, Just a smidge below the Hangman Page match with Cobb. I agree. Final battle. Yeah, I agree. I don't think it was quite as good as that, but it wasn't that far off. Um, It didn't quite have the same bite to it. So, um, you know, I think, you know, I'd go about four flat on this one. I liked it that much. I really did. And yeah, that's that was a great spot where he threw that big lariat and his momentum took him down to the floor. That was just fucking awesome. And uh, yeah, Shane Taylor did a good job here too. You know, I watched those um, 
I caught up on those three New Japan, you you know, New Beginning in USA shows this week. And Shane Taylor is very good on those shows as well. So um, he's he's been doing well over the last, uh, I guess, couple of months or so between those matches on that tour and this match here. And then we had the uh, Women of Honor title match, uh, Mayu Iwatani. Uh, with, uh, Sumi, was Sumi Sakai in her corner? That's what the sheet says. They said, yeah, she was, but like very brief. I, she didn't do anything. Like She was there, but she didn't do anything. So so she defeats uh, Kelly Klein. Um, probably the worst match on the show for me. <laughs> it was bad. It was pretty bad. But, yeah. but, the, but the bigger story here is this means Mayu Iwatani's work in Madison Square Garden, presumably. Um, so I'm sure they'll have a woman. Have they even have they have they announced the match? I yet? don't think they have. I don't think they have yet. But uh, yes, hopefully somebody better than Kelly Klein because Kelly Klein uh, looks like a million. But I like I love the entrance with like her her corner, yeah, men, people in the entourage or whatever, and then the bell rings and it's just like ah yeah, <laughs> like you're you're not very good. Like yeah, she's not. I always good. forget. I always buy into like because she looks like pretty good. Like she's got a good look. The promos are always pretty okay, and I'm like all right, here we go, and then I forget. Like ah man, yes. Think like you're just not and good. she's like a 12 year pro, yeah. Like, right, you right. think you think she'd be better? Like, I didn't know that. Sean Cedor made me aware of that. And, um, you know, you, you think that, oh, all right, she's like a three year pro straight out of the fucking school. No, she's been wrestling for like 12 years and she still stinks. I mean, there's just, you know, what are you gonna do? But, um, you know, Rick Aboni was yelling about MSG, so I just I figure the time <laughs> will be on that show. So, um, you know, they, they, you know that that'll be good to get Mayu Iwatani in a big spot, Mass Square Garden. Then we had the uh, the whole Jay Lethal thing that we talked about, and then we had Roosh against Bandito, and a match that I still think that they never should have booked. Roosh wins this one. Very interesting from that perspective. Who was going to win? Were they going to do a finish? Were they going to do a non-finish? Well, look, these are two Ring of Honor contracted wrestlers now. You know, I understand the politics outside of the company, but, you know, I, I don't know. These guys are both brand new to the company. I don't know necessarily if, if they feel like they can refuse to do certain finishes. At any rate, we got a clean finish. Roosh defeats Bandito. 15-minute uh, match. It was pretty okay. Um, yeah, I didn't love it. I didn't think it was bad. I thought uh, Bandito looked good. I think Roosh looked good enough. There were a couple spots here that I wasn't in love with. Um, I don't know. It was, it was pretty okay. I really don't have much more to add. What did you think of this? Yeah, I, I didn't love it. I felt like a lot of it. And, and I think I probably have the same sort of complaints that you have felt very cooperative. A lot of the stuff, you know what I mean? Like yes. it never felt like two dudes fighting. It felt like two dudes doing shit while the other guy kind of allows him to do it. Whether it's rush sort of jumping up to make, you know, bandito's crossbody look a little bit better or, you know, Rush hanging onto the ropes while, you know, bandito does a, a springboard or, or just, there was just little stuff that just never to me felt like a fight. Like it never felt like these dudes were at each other. Like we talk about the Shane Taylor, Jeff Cobb, like that was a fight. That was a brawl. That was two yeah. dudes going at it. You know, uh, Jay Lethal, Matt Taven was two dudes trying to out wrestle the other guys. This just felt like two dudes doing stuff with, you know, another guy in the ring at the same time. I, I it just, for whatever reason, didn't kind of click with me. Uh, and, and, you know, pretty good. Like the spectacular stuff they did was really, really good, but ultimately it just kind of felt empty and hollow when, when it was all done. And, and the finish was like shockingly clean. Like Bruce just beat him. You know what I mean? I was like, all right, well, there goes the momentum of Bandito. Like, I guess we're, we're good here, but, uh, yeah, that, that speaks to your point of like, why we're, why would this match even got booked but yeah Roosh who I assumed was going to get the win just kind of won and, and and looked better for it and 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 Bandito kind of looks not, not like a total geek afterwards because he you know he went 15 minutes with Roosh but it was just kind of like oh all right like one guy is clearly ahead of the other guy in the hierarchy and that's that's Roosh but yeah I, I think an okay match I enjoyed some of the spots but yeah ultimately it just didn't I don't know it just felt a little empty for me Roosh showed good fire at the finish I thought 
um, he, he, he really, um, he, he geared up, he hit that, that, that drop kick in the corner and he showed good fire there. The finish kind of came out of nowhere too. Mm -hmm. It really didn't build up to the finish either. It's not that it was a short match, but there was no real build up to the finish. It kind of just was the next spot. And I think that kind of speaks to your point. They kind of just went through a series of spots with each other until it was time to do the spot that was going to end the match. And I think that's just, look, I've spoken about this with Roosh. I think there's going to be an adjustment period to working, you know, a style that American audiences uh, are accustomed to seeing. And, and that's one thing. Bandito, I don't worry about for a couple different reasons. Number one, I've seen him get over in the United States already, you know, with PWG, obviously. Number two, he works the flippy do lucha style, which is already over in this country and has been since the mid-90s. Okay, American fans are accustomed to Bandito's style of work. So I'm not worried about him getting over because people understand it. Roosh, on the other hand, is a completely different animal. And this is why I worry, and he's going to be very charisma dependent on whether he gets over or not because he's, he doesn't, he never fits in when he goes to Japan. He doesn't fit in with that style of wrestling. He, his, his matches are always a little awkward in Japan and in the United States because he just doesn't work. Uh, isn't overly familiar with those styles. And he's a guy who, as someone someone put it very well on our message board, he's a guy who in Mexico, he has learned to get over by just taking off his T-shirt and cursing at the crowd. And that's how he gets over in Mexico. And that's great. And that's fine. And that works there. And his, it's enough where the charisma carries him. And, and he... And, and, you know, he gets over by, you know, hitting L.A. Park in the head with a chair or, or a fucking, you know, a, a, a fan's beer or, or whatever other weapon he can. But he, he's not a guy. He just doesn't look super comfortable ever working in Japan or working in the United States from what I've seen. Um, now, he, he, he does. I do feel like he's getting over this match. It wasn't like this was in front of a cold crowd. The fans were into this. Um, so from that perspective, maybe his charisma is going to help him out. And I think it's going to have to help him out in the early stages. If he wasn't over at all to this point, I think we'd, he'd be in big trouble. Because if his charisma wasn't translating, because the matches aren't going to. I'm not right, confident right, right. at all. The charisma, I, I think, plays. Um, I think it does play. Yeah, I, I, sure. I, I feel like it. the charisma is playing. If the charisma wasn't playing, I think he'd be in big trouble. And I think yes, ROH I would be in big trouble here because I really don't think he's ever going to be a guy that's going to have a 23-minute Ring of Honor main event that Ring of Honor f fans are accustomed to. I think if they're smart, they need to book him in such a way where he can have his style of match, especially early on, until – Maybe he can adjust to the style and the things that get over in front of American audiences. Uh, because, again, you, you, I think you nailed it. This is just a collection of spots sort of put together. And, and, and in Japan, he always struggles. It, it, it's, it's not that he looks awful. It just it doesn't work for the, for the Pearl style, like what he does. It just doesn't work. Um, but yeah, but it was fine. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think this was a bad match. I think it was fine. It was like a three and a quarter star, a three star match, something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I, I also think it was dumb to book this. I don't think Bandito should have lost. He's a guy who's also getting over. He should have wrestled one of the, the kingdom geeks, especially since that tag was never meant to happen. Anyway, he has a TV feud with them anyway. Why can't he pin balloon guy on this show? Right. In like an eight minute match or something. 
And then you're not sacrificing Bandito. But we've kind of beaten that to death already. And um, you know, he he beats Bandito and we move on. And I think they're gonna they're gonna oh, we need to talk about the catchphrase. I I, I almost forgot. We've got to talk about this. <laughs> the t-shirt and the catchphrase, yeah. So what they've done is they've taken um <laughs> His phrase, and I don't have it in front of me, um, but they've taken his his phrase, and, and and from what everyone is telling us, people who are bilingual are telling us, is it's very clear that Ring of Honor simply ran it through Google Translate as I burp into the mic. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's... You know what I had? I had White Castle before. Oh, no, you can't do a pre-show White Castle. Are you out of your mind? I've got incredible, and here's the thing. We don't even have White Castle in Texas, so it was microwave store-bought White oh, Castle. Oh, so that's what I shoved down my throat before we started uh, recording this show. So now I've got gas. I'm farting all over the place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you might have to take a break at here. some point. Yeah, I might shit myself. Yeah, you you very well likely will. Yeah, and that, nobody these... will blame you if you do. That, that is that no. is a White Castle specialty there. And I always say, like the thing with White Castles are you have them, and immediately afterwards, like you have it, and in the moment you're like, these are pretty good. I like these. Three hours later, you're like, why did I have those? Those are disgusting. I'm never going to have them again. And then six months later, you walk by the freezer aisle or I drive by yeah. White Castle and I go, you know what's good? White Castles. And then I eat them and I say, these are good. And then three hours later, I go, these are terrible. I should never eat these again. Six months later, like I never eat them in consecutive months. It's really like once or twice a year tops. And every single time I'm excited about it and I, and, and I eat them and I go, oh yeah, good. And then I remember, oh yeah, that's why I'll eat them a few times a year is because I now I'm going to shit myself. So see. I don't regret them because I really like the way they taste. I I'm, I'm totally cognizant that I'm eating shit when I'm eating them, but I, I don't regret because I do like them. But yeah, you can't. It's not something you can eat once a week. I mean, you'll fucking forget it. But uh, but yeah, I'm probably one of these farts is going to be a sharp, and I'm going <laughs> to be sitting in my own filth as we're doing this show. But anyway, so from what our bilingual pals have told us, it's very obvious that Ring of Honor ran this phrase through Google Translate. And what that gives you is the words, nothing happens, right? I believe that's it. Nothing happens. But that's really not a clean translation of this Spanish term. There really is no clean translation. But what everyone has told us is it doesn't really mean nothing happens. It means more of like, no matter what happens, I'm cool with it. The whole tranquilo thing, the whole LIJ thing of we never lose our cool. It's all good. I lose a match. It's not like I not care, but it, but it's all good. We're cool. You know, I win a match. It's all good. We're cool. I get disqualified. It's no problem. That's not the same as nothing happens. Nothing happens doesn't, <laughs> right. doesn't make sense. But what we think is happening here is ROH told him, okay, this the translation is nothing happens. So just say nothing happens. He doesn't know any better. He doesn't care enough to investigate. So now Roosh is just going out there. And after these matches, he's just taking the mic and going, nothing happens. <laughs> and then we're all like, what the fuck does that mean? Like, that doesn't even mean anything, right? But I don't think it's his fault. I think his bosses are telling him to say that, and he's shrugging his shoulders. Right. His shirt literally says it, too. So maybe he looked at the shirt and said, all right, nothing happens. All right. That's, that's and, and, and for all he knows, I don't know how strong his English is. He might think that that means what we're saying it's supposed to mean. He might think that it means like the tranquilo thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So he might not know any better, and he might not have bothered to investigate. You know, he might just be like, I'll do whatever these guys tell me to say. I don't give a shit. If these gringos tell me to say nothing happens, I'm going to say nothing happens. Whatever. But it's coming off very silly because that's not the essence of his character at all. And that's not the essence of anybody. What the fuck does nothing happens mean? I don't even know what that means. Like, what's that supposed to mean? So a total disaster. 
And here's the thing, Rich. Yeah, he's sorry, gonna... sorry, I was doing a little bit of research. Yeah, on it. yeah, so it's, it's no pasanada is the is the term. Yeah, no pasanada. Yes. Uh, and if you look it up, it's it, it essentially means like you said, it literally translates to nothing happens, but it correlates with don't worry about it or it doesn't matter is the actual term. Right. But but they put it in, and if you put it into Google Translate or the actual little translation, it's nothing <laughs> happens. So, but right. that's not the same as don't worry about it. There's there's a clear difference. Nothing happens. Totally it's different. Not a positive. <laughs> yeah, that's a, a very negative connotation. Whereas don't worry about it would fit a little bit more with Tranquillo and 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 uh, you know some of the other stuff. But uh, <laughs> right. But but here's the <laughs> fucked up thing. He's gonna get nothing happens. Over. Yes. Yes, he will. Because you could already see signs with his delivery and the way the crowd reacts to it. He's going to get this shitty Google translated catchphrase that, that clearly the ROH brass doesn't understand and they don't get the essence of his character. He's going to get that shit over. Nothing happens is going to be a hot catchphrase. You watch. It's going to work. And it's never going to not be hilarious because he's going to be cutting these fiery promos on his enemies. And he's going to scream at them, nothing happens. And it's like, they're going to be like, what do you mean? Like, you're not going to beat me up. I don't understand <laughs> what you're saying. <laughs> like, <laughs> nothing happens. Okay. All right. So you're not going to challenge me for this title then? It just doesn't make any sense. But um, yeah, there's, and also, as someone pointed out to us, the, uh, was it, no pasa nada, you said? No, uh, no pasa nada. Yeah, yeah. Is the, is the term. Ring of Honor made that one word on the t-shirt. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be three words, but, you know. Hey. It's supposed to be three words. So an absolute, utter fucking disaster <laughs> when it comes to the Roosh t-shirt and his botched catchphrase. So as we move on to the final match on the show here, which was, uh, this was a shocker. I was not, I did not see this coming at all. Uh, Villain Enterprises, Brody King, and PCO defeat the Briscoes for the ROH tag team titles. So it is Villain Enterprises against Gorillas of Destiny, title for title, in Madison Square Garden. First of all, what the fuck? Can the Briscoes win these things back before MSG? Because New Japan shot the angles in Cork and Hall. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Yet. So what the fuck is going on? I mean, what I have no idea. Just the idea of PCO going over to i just i i i I, there's no way right the pco can't be in new japan (laughs) that gets the god like that can't be happening right And like you said they've already shot the angle so i have no idea what the fuck's going on no well here's the thing here's the thing if it does end up being villain enterprises at msg okay uh gorillas of destiny will win the match because they're not going to bring pco and brody king to japan to defend the iwg of course so but gorillas of destiny i can tell but here's the thing are they just going to somehow find a way to shoehorn the Briscoes into it and make it a three-way? Mm. You can't discount that. <sighs> you can't discount that, and you can't discount – because here, here's why it would make sense, Rich. This whole title-for-title title thing is messy. If you get the Briscoes in there with no titles, they can do the gimmick where whoever pins who wins the other person's belts, and the Briscoes can simply win the ROH tag team titles back, and then you don't have to mess with the IWGP t- Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, that's a uh, that's really complicating things a lot. But you know, uh, and the story itself made it was pretty simple. Uh, but they've made yeah. it a little bit more complicated here. 
So I don't know. I, I yeah, you might have the right scenario there. I have no idea what's going to happen. What's the likely scenario is that God just wins the titles back, and I guess the angles with the Briscoes were just all for naught or, or something. Or yeah, maybe on TV they, the Briscoes you know defeat them b- before that. But uh, I don't know if they, like I haven't looked at spoilers or whatnot, so I don't know if they've actually taped that uh, yet. But um, yeah, it's it's a little bizarre, a little little shocking to the system when when PCO and, and Brody King won, and a really fun match. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean the match was awesome. The, the, it's just such a shame that you know, the final spot of the match or what was supposed to be one of the final spots of the matches was Brody King. Well, you know, Jay Briscoe teasing a Jay driller off the apron through a table with Brody King, but then Brody King doing a pile driver and pile driving Jay Briscoe through the table, but he, they slipped off the apron and kind of just fell into the table. Yeah. And like, that and then Brody King just rolled them in the ring and PCO hit the fin- his finish or whatever and won the titles. Instead of redoing the spot, he just rolled it, which is fine. I hate when they redo spots. I, I don't like that. Um, especially when it's that obvious because it's the end of the match. But if that blown spot would have occurred six minutes into the match instead of at the end of the match, I think it's easier to overlook it. It was just so glaring because it was very clear that that was the finish. The finish was Brody King knocking Jay Briscoe out with this pile driver and then feeding him to PCO who puts him away to win the titles. But it was still a great match, a great plunder match. I'd go about four and a quarter on it. Um, Might have gone a little higher if they didn't blow the finish. Uh, Who knows? But I want to say Brody King, I just mentioned that I watched those three New Japan shows from the U.S. There was a killer elite squad versus Brody King-Marty Skrull match from L.A., that was also a notebook match. Just fucking outstanding. And a lot of it was this Brody King. I mean, he has just been so good this year, both in ROH TV matches and six-man tags with Villain Enterprises and tag team matches with PCO and tag team matches with Marty Skrull. Uh, this guy, who I didn't think a ton of. No, I saw him live a bunch of times, and it never translated for me. I, I was actively I, against Brody King. When he got signed by Ring of Honor, I was just like, oh, here we go. Like, I don't know, guys. Like, he's he, I don't see it. Like, because AEW uh, was, like, pushing him big. He won the world title. But I would go there live, and I'd just be like, I don't know. Yeah, it's all right. I saw him in a few plunder matches, and a few of them were okay. But he just never jumped off the page of me. But, man, I yeah, I'm, I'm like you, 2019. I got to admit, he stepped his game up a lot. He has really stepped up, and this, these kind of matches are the perfect environment for him. Uh, he's a very good plunder guy, and uh, yeah, so Villain Enterprises are your tag team champs. That killer elite squad versus Villain Enterprises. And then there was a David Finley, Chucky T, no DQ match on that same show, where remember, Chucky T had already jumped to AEW by the time this match has taken place. He's got two matches left ever in New Japan, and he went out there and killed himself against David Finley in this no DQ match in LA. Again, a notebook match. And we know Chucky e. T is quietly one of the best plunder guys around. And people may not realize it, but he's awesome in plunder matches. And the finish of that match was David Finley doing a superplex of Chucky e. T through like a fucking pyramid of chairs. You know how they do that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, why is this man doing this? He's got a big money contract he just signed with AEW and he's out here with David Finley murdering himself in this fucking plunder match. That was a sneaky good show. And those were two really sneaky good matches for anyone who, because I know those matches, those shows didn't get a lot of hype. If you're listening, they're on New Japan World. If you want to go back, at least watch those two matches. All three of the shows were pretty damn good, though. I was surprised how good the shows were. But um, Villain Enterprises, your tag team champions, I think the most likely scenario is the Briscoes win the titles back before MSG. Um, but I would not discount the idea of getting the Briscoes involved somehow 
And then that way they kind of worm their way out of somebody coming out of that match as double champions. Mm-hmm. It's a little weird. The double champion thing is a little weird. I mean, I guess of all the scenarios, having God come in, you know, one time or whatever to, to ring of honor is, is probably the most likely scenario over having, you know, pretty much all the other scenarios. Like I cannot envision Brody King and, 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 and PCO, you know, <laughs> coming into new Japan, maybe, uh, you know, if anything, like maybe they, uh, no, that doesn't really work either. I, I was going to say maybe like, if there's an American, like, is there any American shows that we're not thinking of that new Japan's running that maybe they could, you know, do them that between then? Yeah. It's just a little awkward. I mean, the most likely scenario uh, is like you said, either the Briscoes win it before the Briscoes get involved in it or uh, God wins the titles and just comes in for one ring of honor shot, you know, and, and, and loses the titles or whatever the next time they're there. So, well, Jeff Cobb challenged Will Ospreay title for title. So that's another example. And, and by the way, I mean, that kind of gives away <laughs> that Will Ospreay's not. <laughs> I mean, that happened before Will Ospreay was knocked out of New Japan Cup. And did you notice Ian Riccoboni nervously cover for that? Yes, because yeah, he's a pro. Cup he's a pro's pro, man. He, he's, he, yeah. he was <laughs> like, like, well, he might have to do double doing double duty. <laughs> yeah. Like, 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 of course, that's assuming that Will Ospreay is not in the main <laughs> event at Madison yeah. Square Garden. He's a pro, yeah. pro man. There was a point, too. I, I mentioned this on Twitter where they cut to the, uh, it was, I think it was after the Jeff Cobb, uh, Shane Taylor match, and they cut to the announcers. And Riccoboni knows that the camera's getting closer and closer and closer, looks down and realizes that his format sheet is like very visible right there and just picks it up and flips it over just to be like, because if anybody saw that it was, because I'm sure it said somewhere like 60 yeah. minute, you know, Taven Lee. Lethal. like he just like finishes all just kinds nice of stuff, and comfortably yeah. just went ah just like for no reason like there's no actual practical reason why he would turn over the format sheet other than he's a pro's pro and he knows that like oh like we're doing something i don't want people to know about it so i thought that was kind of uh pretty cool from uh uh oldie in there so kg vet you yeah. know so yeah yeah nice job little things little things that a lot of people don't uh don't pay attention to but that was your look overall i thought this was a damn good show Great. Yeah. Really top to bottom. A really, really fun watch. Didn't overstay its welcome at any point. Uh, the only match I can really say that I didn't enjoy on some level was the uh, the Women of Honor match, but everything else delivered. Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's, uh, you know what? Let's get, I, I want to do this all Japan. I don't want to, I don't want to waste time on this all Japan. So you, you want to do that and then we'll do New Japan and uh, WrestleMania weekend uh, to close the show out. Oh, you mean you want to give all Japan the time that they deserve? That's yeah, they, they deserve it. They goddamn deserve it because I watched this main event too. You're going to talk about a lot of the card. I watched this main event and I got some thoughts, Joe. I want to talk about it. All right. So what we're talking about here is the all Japan show from Cork and Hall on the uh, 19th, on March 19th. This was the uh, end of the Dream Power Series Tour. Uh, closed out in Cork and Hall. This was Naoa Nomura getting his Triple Crown title shot against Kento Miyahara. And this drew a tremendous crowd by all Japan standards of over 1,600 fans. Uh, noted by what do you got here? By um, uh, Gerard. Our, uh, Gerard yeah, who did our review. Yeah, Gerard who did our review had a, a pretty good paragraph at the end here. That I think, uh, it, it, and it kind of jumps off to a few questions I want to ask you as well. Uh, he says this show drew uh, 1,615 to Cork and Hall, which is the biggest attendance there uh, since the final night of the 2018 Real World Tag League in December. What makes that number even more impressive is that it is a triple crown match against a first time challenger which i think is a good question for you is what does that mean you know what does it mean for nomura what does it mean for all japan i mean this is a first time challenger going at miyahara and it's one of the better numbers they've had this year and the best number they've had in quite a few uh, months well what i gather from this and in in conjunction with the fact that nomura was so over in the main event is that they might have something here mm-hmm. now i'm not fully on board yet 
takes me a while to completely come around on someone. You know that in a lot of cases. Um, and I wasn't on board at all coming into the match. But the reactions he got and the fire that Nomura showed in the main event specifically really fired me up on him. And I'm not completely on the Nomura train yet. I can't say that. But what I can say is I'm willing to hop on. I'm almost there. I still have some issues with him. I don't think he has a superstar look. I think that's an issue. I don't know how you fix that. Maybe some new gear. Maybe just if he keeps showing fire, it won't matter. But I think that's an issue. But in terms of this match, which was outstanding, and in particular the fire he showed, because Rich, I've been coming on this show and complaining about all these young Japanese wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Nothing, when nothing I was watching them. this, I was thinking of you. I was thinking of that rant in your head, but go ahead. Because the entire yeah. time I was watching this match, I went, "This." I hope Joe thinks that this is what he's been looking for. And this is across multiple companies in Japan. And these young Japanese wrestlers, they just don't show fire anymore. You know, and I think that's the missing ingredient for a lot of these guys, whether it's Jake Lee in this company or uh, Kato Kiyomiya in Noah. And I haven't seen the Marafuji match yet. I'm going to watch that before next week's show. Um, but he's another one, never shows uh, proper fire, especially for a guy who's already trip, um, um, GHC champion. Nomura was a guy. Uh, another one, there's, uh, there's, there's uh, some people in New Japan. I think fall into that category. Sonata, that's a little trickier with him because you don't know if it's, you know, it's part of the gimmick. Is it not part of the gimmick? But either way, he's like a robot. He's just emotionless. And I think it hurts him. So all across Japan, you have these wrestlers, uh, some of them veterans, some of them younger guys, and they just, there's no fire anymore. Get me into it. Get fired up. Help me rally behind you. And what Nomura showed me here was that fire and that fight that I've been looking for to get behind these young guys and, and, and the crowds resp- and the crowd here responded, they were behind him and they were getting into it. And this is a great match. And Kento Miyahara, by the way, this is the third title match in a row this year, January, February, and March Kai Suwama and now Nomura where he has knocked it out of the park. Yeah. That's been great. I've gone four and a half on all three of the matches. I've had some issues with this match that we'll talk about. They weren't enough to kill the match for me, obviously, because I love the match four and a half, but that's three months in a row now where Miyahara has knocked it out of the park in a triple ground title match. Okay. And, and look at the opponents, Kai, who you get a great match out of him. That's a fucking gold star for you, right? That's the best match of Kai's career. Okay. Suwama, who could be hit or miss, got a great match out of him. And Nomura here, which, you know, first crack at the, at the, at, 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 like you said, at the triple crown title, you don't know what you're going to get. So three different opponents, not the easiest opponents to have a great match with tricky spots across the board. Okay. And three very different styles of matches too. Okay. And all three of those matches worked in very different ways right now. And it's early. Kento Miyahara to me is now my front runner for wrestler of the year, because I don't know anybody else who has his resume in terms of three main event matches that completely knocked it out of the park. Absolute home runs, tremendous matches. And all of his other stuff, his tag team matches, this dude has just found his groove. I mean, we knew he was great. We knew he was an ace. We knew he was worthy of being an ace. But now, those all Japan crowds are just in the palm of this dude's hands, no matter what he does. Even the, you go back in, even the Baba show, throw that in there. Okay, the main event of that show, where, you know, he just owned that crowd. Even though I didn't like that match as much as a lot of people. He, it, you know, that, that's a good example of what I'm talking about. 
Kento Miyahara right now is uh, it's very early. You know, we're just about, well, you know, we're about at the quarter pole, you know. So through the quarter pole, unless something drastic happens in the next 10 days, he's my clubhouse leader early on uh, for wrestler of the year. He has blown past uh, Daisuke Sekimoto and uh, whoever else you want to throw in there. So, yeah, I, I really thought this was a really great match. What did uh, you think of the match itself? Yeah, I absolutely loved it. And like you said, I, th- when, when I was watching this match, I saw that fire and I just I could hear that rant in your head of like somebody anywhere. Show some fight. Show some fire. Slap a guy. Make it. And this was we talk about it a lot of times, too, where the, the match type that we see a lot in Japan uh, is like the fiery underdog, you know, sort of shocks the the, the veteran and 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 takes him to his limit, but then the veteran just kind of puts him away. I don't feel like that was this match. This match was Nomura saying, I'm fucking here, dude. I'm here. I'm right here in front of you, and I'm not here to shock you. I'm not here to shock the world. I'm here to just beat you for your goddamn title right now. And I love that because they they start off, they do, you know, I, I think one of the best moments of the match, the match when I really started to kind of take notice was uh, they got in the ropes and they did the clean break thing. Well, Nomura does the clean break and then just slaps Miyahara. And then Miyahara's just like, oh, okay, we're going to do that. All right, so then he goes at Nomura. Nomura kind of ducks out of the way. Uh, they go outside of the ring, and then Nomura puts him away and then slides back into the ring. And then it's just like, I'm here, man. Like, let's go. Let's do this. And then, like, from that point on, Nomura was pretty much, I don't want to say fully in control, but, like, felt like he was, he had taken the veteran down a peg and had said, no, no, this isn't just, I'm not some nobody. I'm here. <laughs> I'm, I'm here to take that title, and I'm here to show everybody that I'm, I'm here to last. Like, this isn't just some fun little flu title match that i'm gonna have i'm here and and i really enjoyed that aspect of it because then you did see Nomura just kind of work him over work him over miyahara having to sell and Nomura having to do the good offense and i thought there's some great counters in there too there were some great near falls that Nomura had where you were really buying like i know the results of the match and i knew Nomura wasn't going to win but there was some where you're like oh shit what are they doing here and and it just kind of all kind of worked and and uh Nomura did the kick out at one which i knew probably would pop you pretty big but again like everything was pretty good and then when you know miyahara needed to put him away he did the straight jacket German, but then he kicked out of the one and then he did another one and then said, okay, now you're done. And and I just thought that was just kind of a nice fitting end to that match and just a real, it, it kind of deviated from that path a little bit. Did, did you kind of get that feel too, that it wasn't the surprise upstart youngster gets a fluky little few minutes against the veteran. It was like no more approving himself that he is not, maybe not an equal at this point, but he's here and and he's not some guy that's just going to you know fade into the obscurity after this match and go back to doing his little things. Like it felt like kind of a statement match in a lot of ways. And let me tell you something. It was because of the finish, and I'm going to walk through that sequence that you just went over because I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, Miyahara does a knee striker. I think it was two knee strikes in a row, and then gets the and they do the one count kick out. Yeah, right. So Nomura pops up, and then Miyahara immediately hits the straight jacket German, which 99% of the time, after the one count kick out, when the ace of the promotion then hits his finish, the match is over. But they gave Nomura a kick out there. That is rare. Okay. A lot of times that one count kick out is your final energy burst. You're the final fuck you, you have to kill me. And then you kill the guy, right? But he kicked out of that of that first straight jacket German. And then moments later, Miyahara was setting him up for another one. And they and Nomura fought to the death. He kept fighting, getting his arms out, pulling away. And even Suwama the month before didn't didn't they didn't have that kind of sequence for him where where you know they just had their match and and Miyahara put him away and Suwama's a former Triple Crown champion and way above Nomura in the pecking order okay but I thought the 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 the, the closing stretch of that match said a ton about what Miyahara and the company think of Nomura because they allowed him to kick out of the one 
uh, straight jacket German. And then they let him, you know, fight so hard to try to avoid getting caught in the, in the second one moments later after the one count kickout. So that was a key closing stretch to me. And I said to myself, after he put him away with the second German, Nomura is now a legitimate contender to win the champion carnival because they have set it up to where, like you said, this was not a young upstart losing in his first try. See you again in two years. This was, this is a guy who we're putting in the main event mix now. Yeah, right, right, right. And the way the crowd got behind them had to really, and, and, and then with the great crowd that they drew with six, over 1,600 fans and the way that the crowd got behind him and were into the match, that had to give the company confidence that they made the right decision in deciding to bump this guy up. It has to give him confidence because it would give me confidence. And I think he's a legitimate contender to win that carnival. He'll be in the mix for sure. I have no doubt about that. And like I said, I'm just about there with him. I'm not all the way there. There's some things that still bother me about him. That I just can't. But, but, but I, I, I think I'm one of the things, I, I, not to interrupt, but one of the things, and, and I kind of get this too, is it feels like every one of these young Japanese guys all looks like they're like 19 years old. Like, even if they're not, like, they all just kind of yeah. have the same haircut. They're all 19. They're all kind of skinny. Like, I, there was your guy, like, there's a few guys that popped up in recent years, but they just couldn't go. You know, your Kitamiyas yeah. or whatever, who looked like a million bucks, but just couldn't really go. Your, your Kamatamis, we talked about how he had just a badass look, but then, you know, there were times where he would go and he just, you know, he, he just couldn't reach that big sort of level. Higuchi, another guy that looks like a million bucks, but then, just I don't know he just kind of doesn't deliver on that level that we're looking for but then these guys that deliver a lot of times you, you know you're even your Kiyomiya's who who you know we've kind of talked about his his title reign in, in Noah and how there's some issues there but they all just look like these like children they're like they're all they're all like you know good looking dudes they're not like ugly men but I think I just want like an ugly guy that just goes out there and whoops people's asses you know what I mean like I just want one of those guys and we're just we're not getting them anymore they're just not coming I, listen I've been saying that I mean it's like I know it's the era we're in and all that but I I, I do want you know, we got to mix in some ruggedness here. I, I really do think that's that's what's missing. I mean, you know, um, look at Nakajima's failed run in Noah with the title, and then he grows out his hair and, and grows some facial hair and becomes a cocky little prick, and he's he's way more over now than he was as champion. You know, and, and you know, Jake Lee earlier on this show, you know, my man grew a little goatee and a little mustache, and it, like, I can't believe how much that helps his charisma. Yeah. You know, it's like, cause he doesn't look like this fresh faced, you know, teenager, like you're saying. And, you know, he actually looks more like a man, you know, it's the only way I can put it, you know, like, like, like he's not a kid. So there is something to that. And I don't know what it is about Nomura. It's like, he's just kind of pudgy and he doesn't look menacing and you can overcome those things. If you, Get over it. You can if you get over as a badass, it really doesn't matter what you look like. Okay. Shinya Hashimoto looked like the fucking Pillsbury Doughboy, but he had an aura that he'd fucking kill you. So it didn't matter that he was just a fat guy. Okay. And then, you know, you you, you throw in the fucking headband and the fucking unique fucking, you know, uh, bell bottom tights and everything. And you had yourself something there. So sometimes it's just little adjustments. Like like Nakajima you know, changing, you know, his look from the neck up. And, and sometimes it's just a little thing. And, and I think Nomura just needs one of those little things. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a haircut. I don't know if it's growing out a beard. I don't know if it's doing a fucking death match and giving himself an edge. I don't know what the fuck it is, but I'm, 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 I'm ready to hop on board, but there's still just something missing. And I'm yeah. not saying he can, I think he can get the, this match completely changed. 
my view on this guy. It did. So, but 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 it's okay if he's not the complete package coming out of this. Like that's rare. You know, that's the kind of magic where you luck into some. Look at Miyahara, how hard all Japan worked to get him to this level. Years of grooming this guy for the spot, and it's it, and and now years into being the ace, and he's just now he's still growing in a lot of ways, like we just talked about. You know, he's still you know finding his way, and maybe just now peaking. So it does take time, but man, this gave me confidence. I thought Nomura's performance in this match was fucking flawless. He was flawless. Yeah. And the fire that he showed and his work and man, but, but the one flaw I had with the match was actually with Miyahara where he got knee strike happy again. <laughs> the, okay? There was a no sell here. I'm not a big anti no sell guy. Like there's times where it works. But there's one, and I think you're maybe going to mention it here, where I was just like, all right, dude, come on. Like, Well, I wrote about it. I don't know if you read about it on the Patreon site. Uh, we'll plug the Patreon here. Patreon.com slash Voice of Wrestling. Yes, you've been doing uh, a little uh, written preview. I don't know if I read that, but uh, let me go Let me go check it out. Yeah, so I, read, I, I wrote reviews for the top three matches on this show for the subscribers, and I think we're going to talk about the same spot. Um, Nomura went right after Miyahara's right leg. Because the idea was, I'm going to take away the knee strikes. He hit a splash off the top rope on Miyahara's right leg. And Miyahara sold it like a shotgun blast. He's rolling around, he's screaming, he's holding the knee. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Because he's been spamming the knee. So they're going to tell a story here where Nomura took away the knee strikes. This is great. And if Miyahara uses the knees, it's going to be sacrificial. Because he's going to have to endure the pain. Of, of, of these knee strikes now if he chooses to use that move because the knee has been taken out and it's going to be rendered less effective. We got a nice little story here. So I'm getting... And then Miyahara immediately... Right? <laughs> like, you're, no, you're right. seconds. It was two seconds, maybe. It was the very next spot he in the match. Screams, he's screaming. Like, the screams you've never heard before. Like, ah, yeah. God, he's holding his knee, holding his knee, and I look away for a second, and then I look back up, and Miyahara's running across the ring throwing a knee strike. And I'm like, I thought I, I thought I hit something. I thought I was like, oh, shit, I hit 15 seconds board or whatever. I didn't. No, he's just screaming in pain. I blink, and he's off, and he's throwing knee strikes. <laughs> like a big knee strike, too. Like a big near-fall yeah, knee strike. Two of them! <laughs> the very next spot was Miyahara standing up yeah. and landing two knee strikes and not selling the and and walking fine and not at least grab the fucking thing. Again, I'm not someone who thinks that the, the limb should be completely removed from the match. He didn't sell the knee again for the rest of the match. And Nomura did go back to attacking it briefly. He did a kick to to the knee later in the match and Miyahara just kind of shrugged that off. And then he did, you know, a thousand more fucking Kenny Omega fucking V triggers uh, you know, down the stretch of the match and just completely ignored the tremendous spot where Nomura went after the knee with the splash. So that was my minor gripe with the match. Now obviously I love the match. I went four and a half on it. It wasn't enough to kill the match for me. But let me tell you something, Rich. If Miyahara would have sold the knee for the duration of the match. And that doesn't even mean you can't throw the knee strikes anymore, but if you throw them, you need to sell the damage it's doing to you that, that, you know, the trade-off of I'm going to do this to this guy, but I'm sacrificing my own damage. You don't understand what I'm saying. You get the gist of it. If they would have worked it in that manner the rest of the way, I may have gone four and three. I may have got five stars on this match. That's how good this match was. Except that, that was the fatal flaw of the bout, but it was still, an incredible match, but Miyahara sometimes, there are times where just like our pal Kenny Omega, he is just out of control with these knee strikes 
And he didn't even make any attempt. No attempt to sell the knee in this match. And you have to wonder, were they just on different pages? Or was Nomura, did he decide to go for something here and he couldn't get Miyahara to go along with it? Or I don't know what happened here, but it really was the one flaw of the match. Yeah, I, it, it stuck out to me too. And it's something that like, again, like I don't really, it doesn't take away a match for me. It doesn't destroy a match for me, but there are, you know, you know, I know there are people that, that, that would apply that to, to other people. We've mentioned it before uh, that maybe won't apply it to, to a, a Kento Miyahara or won't sort of mention it, but yeah, it was, it was pretty glaring in this time. I'm not, I'm not an, uh, you know, I'm not a guy who freaks out about limb selling and all that sort of stuff, but literally the next spot being, I'm going to throw knee strikes at you and get a near fall is <laughs> a little much. That's, you know what? That's... I could have even lived with it if the knee damage was just that portion of the match, maybe like the middle third of the match was Miyahara struggling to overcome the knee attacks from Nomura, but it wasn't even that. It was the very next spot where he threw the two knees, and I'm just like, oh, this fucking guy, you know? But otherwise, aside from that, he was very good in the match as well, but Nomura was just tremendous in the match. So, um, great match. I, I, I don't it's very close to the old star making performance very close for me um and i'm and i'm i'm very close to hopping fully on board with this guy so um this is a guy to watch and i think he's blown right past jake lee now there's no question about it um i think the company sees it the same way i've been i've been you know watching the way that they book jake lee and uh, i think they've kind of lost faith in him um you know, so we'll see if they can. But but I've lost faith in them too. I'm interested in He needs to show some fire. He needs to watch this match and see the fire that Nomura showed, and he needs to learn that that's what he needs to do because he does have the size and he does have the look and 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 all of the things that they covet outside of the work. But he's just a fucking dud. He's got no heart, and he shows no fire, and that is totally what's holding him back. All right, uh, you watched the rest of the show. As I mentioned, I, I only saw the main event, so I know that there's some other stuff you wanted to talk about uh, on the show. I don't know if you wanted to go match by match or just kind of talk about the business end of the card, but uh, uh, what, what, what else did you see from the show that you really liked and, and really wanted to talk about? We're just going to do business end. The first half of the show were the, uh, were the multi-man tag matches. There was nothing to see here. It was a bunch of two-star specials. There was one tag, which was, uh, which was pretty good. But the rest of it was there, you know, a lot of comedy, a lot of just going through the motions. There's nothing to see on the, the first half of this card uh, is 1,000% skippable. So there's no, you know, we're not going to talk about that. I did see some people saying that this is a potential show of the year. They're out of their minds. Uh, you know, you can't. Now, listen. I like the back end of this card as much as anybody. I gave two of these matches four and a half stars, but there's going to be probably 20 wrestling shows this year with two matches on top that are great. But the difference being a few of those 20 shows are going to have a lot of stuff down card that kind of add to the resume. This show has nothing else except for those top two matches. Even if you loved the junior match, which we're going to talk about, which I thought was fine, but I didn't love it. Even if you love that, I can't see, you know, calling this a show of the year contender because the first half of the show was was truly a nothing uh, first half. So uh, we'll jump right into the second half. It was the uh, we'll talk about. Well, we'll go backwards. Uh, the tag team match, which Rich, you should go back and watch this. Yes, one. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but I will. I will definitely. I, I cannot miss this one, and I've heard nothing but praise. So I will watch it eventually. So 
Yes, yeah, the Violent Giants winning the tag team titles back from Strong BJ. Sekimoto and Okabayashi won those titles from Ishikawa and Suwama on a big Japan show in January. And uh, this was switching them back to the Violent Giants. I seem to be on an island in that I like this match better than the January match. Most other reviews I've seen, most people prefer the January match. The January match... I thought was a good match. It didn't grab me the way this one did. Um, but at any rate, they're both really good matches, no matter which one you prefer. Um, I thought this one was better. I went four and a half on this. I thought it was awesome. Uh, this was a, you know, another beef battle. Like we talked about with Cobb and Taylor, except this is four uh, uh, extremely beefy men who have a history with each other. Um, if you're looking for deep storytelling or an overriding match narrative or, or, or fancy limb work or stuff that plays into the match. No, this is just four guys murdering each other until one of them couldn't stand up anymore. And that one that could no longer stand up was Okabayashi. He takes the pin and the violent giants win the tag team titles back. One sequence I enjoyed is um, Suwama. Uh, was it Suwama? No, it was Okabayashi dragging Suwama up into the stands in Corican. And you know I don't like when wrestlers go into the crowd. But he took Suama and he smashed his face into the concrete wall up in the stands <laughs> and, then, and then dragged him back in the ring and then worked him over for three or four minutes. So what a great setup for a heat sequence, right? Smashing a guy's face into a concrete wall. But that just sums up the matches between these two teams. I thought this was fantastic. And we've got uh, new tag team champions with Ishikawa and Suama, the big dog, and Suama winning their tag team titles back. And then we had... Um, the uh, the junior title match, Koji Iwamoto uh, defending against Kotaro Suzuki. And uh, this is okay. I went three and a quarter on this. The problem I have with Koji Iwamoto is he's really fallen into, he's one of the most repetitive and formulaic wrestlers around right now. He is just so overly reliant on this judo throw. And what happened was he got like this judo throw over as like a flash pin, right? He hits guys with his judo throw out of nowhere and picks up the pin. And the first, like, I don't know, dozen times that you see it, it's really cool. But now that's all this guy has. It's like the only thing. It's he's a one-trick pony. Like, the crowd was not into this match until he threw the first judo throw because, like, they know now. Like, everyone knows there's no point paying attention to a Koji Iwamoto match until he throws that judo throw. And, uh, you know, Suzuki kicked out of it and then... um, you know, he struggled to do the next one, and then finally he he hits the judo throw, and then, you know, he hit a second one for good measure to finally put Suzuki away for good. But it's just like, Rich, this is a reference you'll get. Do you remember when Nigel McGuinness got real rebound lariat happened? Oh, my God, every match. <laughs> it's like 10 times a match, too, man. He loved that. Where his matches were just totally, like, he would do a 1,000 rebound yes. lariats every match. And it's like he took a move that was cool and unique that no one else was really doing, and he just overdid it to the point where his matches became memes because it was just one rebound lariat after another. It's kind of similar to that. This Iwamoto, I mean, it just, it's, just, it's just nothing but the judo. Th- he's a one-trick pony, you know, and he has no charisma. He's not charismatic at all. Um, he doesn't have a great look. He's okay. I mean, the guy's a five in every way, but he got this judo throw over. And now that's he's just overly reliant on it. He just needs to add something else to the fucking toolbox here. Okay, because now look, with all of that said, 
I will take Koji Iwamoto over 90% of the awful, awful All Japan Juniors. Okay, there was nothing worse than the All Japan Junior Division when it was built around Tajiri and Ultimo Dragon and these fucking guys. Dry as hell. Okay, they've got an entire Junior Division of you know dry grapplers who you know have no charisma, and it's just it sucks. That that Junior Battle of Glory tournament is the worst tournament every year in Japan. It's awful. Okay, so Iwamoto is actually a step up. He's actually more interesting than a lot of these All Japan Juniors, but. It's just it, – it, it's the same act over and over. Like add something else. What they really need to do is put him in a feud with somebody who has an answer for this thing, which will then force him to do something else to win these matches and expand his repertoire a little bit. And then maybe we'll see. But look, um, you know, they have a terrible junior division. I have no problem with him being on top right now. But um, but yeah, the, the judo throw thing is just getting – you know. Very excessive. They had all of the juniors surround him after the match. Uh, like the entire, every junior in the company hit the ring after the match, and he cut a promo. I have no idea what he said, but um, it wasn't really clear who the next challenger is going to be. Um, so your guess is as good as mine. Maybe that information's out there somewhere. But uh, it was all right. I went like three and a quarter. Um, there's a lot of people who really love Iwamoto. Um, I'm not one of them. I don't hate him. I just I think he's okay. I just think that. Um, He's really falling into, you know, uh, the this bad habit of where, um, you know, it's just it, 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 best way I could put it is it's just he's a one trick pony at this point. So um, that's your all Japan show. I think that everything after the intermission is uh, well worth a watch, and um, you can easily skip everything that happened before the intermission. And if you want another guide as well, uh, Gerard, as I said, did a uh, review for Voices of Wrestling um, for this the show. So if you want to kind of get, get a guide to go along with uh, the show and, and and sort of match up Joe's thoughts with with the thoughts of the website, you can do that. What were his well. star ratings for the top three? I'm curious. Uh, Gerard, let me see. Uh, let's see. One sec. Now I got to go to VoicesWrestling.com. Let's the, see. Uh, I'll pull up the Grapple app, too. Yeah, see what they did. Yeah, because Grapple just added uh, on Japan pretty recently. So let's, uh, let's find out what he puts for... Uh, all right, top three. The uh, junior heavyweight he went three and three quarters. Uh, the violent giant strong BJ he went four and a quarter, and the main event he went four and a half. Okay, so uh, right in the same neighborhood, basically, of uh, what I thought. Yeah, that show's not up on the grapple app yet, so we don't know what. The oh, okay, so crowd right there yet, but they will. They will. They've been adding some classic all Japan too, which I think is yeah, pretty they, fun too. The first two nights of the tour are on there, but um, they just haven't gotten the next four nights up yet. So, all right, Joe. Uh, real, <laughs> you're not gonna. Yeah, I have no idea how I discovered this while we were going doing the show. I, I was just kind of clicking around and looking at things. Uh, do you know that the Tennessee stud Ron Fuller follows us on Twitter, and we don't follow him? Oh, you got to slap follow. I feel bad now. I'm doing it right now. I just wanted to let you know yeah. that if you wonder why out of nowhere we started following the Tennessee stud Ron Fuller, it's because he follows us. And like, I assumed that he would be, I, I saw the, like, I, I don't even ask how I was looking and I saw his name and I was like, oh, he follows us. Like, I'm sure he just follows everybody. He doesn't follow that many people. He follows like 160 people and we're one of them. I don't know what content we have that the Tennessee stud Ron Fuller's into, but I'm glad he's he's come along. So if he's listening to this, hello, Ron Fuller. Uh, uh, clearly, clearly it's all those continental tweets. I was going to say, I mean, like, I think a few times you and I put over continental pretty hard. Like, I like continental every time I've watched it. But uh, yeah, I can't imagine that our content is really like up his alley. But hey, go, go. Go Tennessee stud Ron Fuller. So uh, there we go. His, his Twitter bio is incredible. Ron Fuller, period. The Tennessee stud, period. Third generation professional wrestler and promoter, period. My family has been in the business since 1920, period. 
started my career in 1970 period hey listen all facts <laughs> let me tell you something you know everything about him now <laughs> he lets you know everything about if you knew nothing you know about his him. nickname, you knew how many generations of a professional wrestler he was. You know he was a promoter. You know when his family started promoting wrestling, and you know when he started wrestling. So I mean, right there you go. Yeah. That's, that's really a tremendous bio. You know? <laughs> None of this 2006 Time Person of the Year. Like no, no, no stick. Okay, no stick. No, no, no. He's not talking about what convention he's going to, what convention he's at. Just you know. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go so yeah i felt bad that we uh so i just want to let you know that i'm gonna slap the follow on him so now we do follow yeah uh, got follow that back uh ron fuller okay i want i want to get to this wrestlemania game here we're talking about Let's new japan it. cup here in a bit but um all right so we are going to do on this website as we did last year we're going to do a gigantic long multi-part wrestlemania weekend preview podcast where we're going to talk about every single show that's going to go on uh joe and i you are going to we're going to introduce uh, the weekend, kind of talk about the schedule, and then we're going to toss to uh, several different segments that we did with with, with various members uh, of the website, different contributors for the website, uh, where we're going to preview particular shows. So we're going to preview every single show that's going to go on in WrestleMania weekend. Uh, sometimes I'm just going to be there with the guests. Sometimes you and I are going to be there with the guests. We're recording these over the course of a few weeks, so things are going to get a little wild and weird, but you and I are going to do an intro uh, that, that, that sort of gets it ready, and then that's going to be what we release the week of uh, WrestleMania weekend. So kind of give you an idea of what's going to happen over the next few weeks on this website. So we're we're not going to do any sort of big picture previews and all that sort of stuff right now. But we did want to kind of talk about the weekend as a whole. And I know, Joe, you've been kind of itching to talk about this. Your thoughts on this year's WrestleMania weekend, now that we've seen a lot of the cards coming out, we know a lot of the shows, we know pretty much everything that's going to happen. Wh- what are you feeling for this WrestleMania weekend? You're a man who has attended prior WrestleMania weekends. You were still somewhat on the fence about this WrestleMania weekend. What do you make of, of of everything that's happened this weekend, and what is kind of your overall thoughts of the shows, the wrestlers, the cards, all that sort of stuff? Um, there's a lot of shit. <laughs> it looks really bad. There's there's a lot of shows where there's maybe maybe one match that looks interesting, and then a whole lot of swoggle, and a whole lot of just fucking utter bullshit. And very little in the way of wrestling that I'm interested in. I think there's way too many shitty indie promotions running. I mean, you know, a lot of these promotions have no business running WrestleMania weekend. They just don't. And they're all doing the same irony-driven fucking bullshit shows. And there's a bunch of quote-unquote talent that has no business working at WrestleMania weekend. I'm pretty down on a lot of these shows and a lot of these lineups and a lot of these shitty promotions that think they can moonwalk into a WrestleMania weekend. And it's just, it's just a joke. And then what happens is, you know, the few good wrestlers that are out there who are booked fucking five, six, seven, eight times, they don't want to work singles matches because they're booked so many times. We have been told personally that there's wrestlers who are telling promoters, look, I'm not working a singles match or I'm not doing this match or you got to put me in a tag or because they're, they're working, you know, all of these shows and, you're not, now you're not getting maximum effort out of them. And for what? On half of these shows, they're in bullshit matches that nobody cares about. Uh, you know, at, at shows where there's going to be 300 people there to see it. And I don't blame them for taking the bookings, but it's hurting the shows that do have a chance to be good. Because there's a bill, there's like, Rich, there's like 30 or 40 shows. And, you know, the vast majority of them do not need to happen. They're terrible shows. <laughs> oh, come on. The, the no ring death match show, that's got to happen. Come on. So that's my feeling. Plus the fact that, you know, everything is so spread out 
logistically, it's a nightmare. It's going to be very hard to venue hop. Um, my advice to anyone who goes is just to park it each day, spend Thursday at this venue, spend Friday at this venue. Don't try to venue hop. It's going to be a nightmare. Um, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a unique WrestleMania weekend. It reminds me a lot of Orlando. Remember Orlando when all those fucking shindy promotions tried to run yes. and a lot of them canceled their shows or just, just didn't run shows. They said they were going to run and then just wouldn't run. Yeah. that was- Yeah. What I'd like to see here is most of these, look, I always root for promotions to succeed. What I'd like to see happen here is, is a lot of these shows to fail massively. These promoters will lose their ass and then just stay away from WrestleMania. Weekend. You're diluting it. You're booking garbage and, you know, leave it to the big boys. Okay. Leave it to the big boys. Leave it to WrestleCon and leave it to fucking Evolve and the guy who's been doing it for fucking 10 years and, you know, leave it to if, if DDT wants to show up, Major League Company, WX, leave it to the big boys. Okay. We, we don't need your shitty Midwestern indie that, I wouldn't oh, watch if it was in my backyard. Oh. Okay, I'm sorry, but it's the truth. Oh, it, poor it, Black Label Pro. That was a, a sideswipe at the old BLP, but that's all right. Please, that could have been a sideswipe at 19 different promotions. Yeah, there's really, yeah, there's there's many that could fit that that mold. Okay, there's a promotion. There's a Virginia. There's a promotion, not Virginia. There's a promotion from North Carolina that I have never heard of, and I guarantee nobody listens. That if for some reason is running Wayne, New Jersey, on Wednesday to run WrestleMania weekend. <laughs> I think it's called UPWA or something like that. Uh, yes, we're gonna, uh, yeah, it's we, like, we, might, uh, we might bring them up later. Yeah, they're running the Wayne Powell building in New Jersey uh, featuring uh, – What are they thinking? <laughs> like, why? Why are they doing this? You know, it's, it's – it's, you know, it, it's – this isn't for everyone. And when you look at the quality of these shows, they're proving that it isn't for everyone with some of the shit and the muck. And on top of the fact that the indie scene is diluted already, Maybe they could have. Maybe we could have had a WrestleMania weekend with every promotion under the sun. Yeah, this is a tough weekend to have everybody run everything when there's like no good wrestlers. <laughs> I mean, like I, no I'm joking guy. when I say no good wrestlers. I just mean like the top top tier guys. There's some good wrestlers still out there, but they're already pulled as thin as humanly possible this weekend. Look, it's a thin pool, okay, and and that that creates more obstacles too. And this is why somebody like Hornswoggle is booked for like five or six matches because. You know, there's no one out there to book, and yet you have all these promotions out there, you know, um, running these shows, and that's why all these shows look as horrible as they do. I mean, I am not fired up for any look, and I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you right now, the best shows are going to be from the usual suspects. Okay, Rev Pro is going to have a very good show. The Evolve shows, I know everybody loves to shit on Evolve. The Evolve show and the WWN Live show are going to be very good shows. The DDT show is going to be a very good show. Okay, the WrestleCon Super Show is always a very good show because they book—they don't book garbage talent. Okay, they book the best of the best talent. Those are going to be your best shows. Okay, it's not going to be fucking Backwoods Pro from fucking Indiana or whatever the fuck, or anything at that fucking Dopey Collective. Okay, those are not going to be your good. They're not. Those aren't going to. Your best shows are going to be the usual suspects. Okay, spend your money wisely. Go to the pros who know what they're doing. Go to the shows where people who have done it before. Go see the major league promotions and leave this shindy bullshit behind because if they fail, they will not come back and they will not infest WrestleMania weekend anymore. 
And then next year, where is it next year? Uh, Tampa, right? If I remember that correctly. Yeah. Tampa. And then yeah. next year in Tampa, okay, we'll have WrestleCon, we'll have WWN, we'll have Valve, we'll have RevPro, we'll have whatever Japanese company you know wants to show up. Maybe Progress comes back. We'll have the big boys, okay? And we'll be back to where most of these shows are decent and we don't have to sit through Ethan Page in a main event. I, you know, so th- 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 just enough, enough. There's not enough talent out here to support all these shows. Okay. So, you know, it, it's it, it just, let's not entice them to do this again. So that's my uh, stance on WrestleMania weekend. I'm sure that will thrill a ton of people. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah. I, one of the plans that I'm doing, and, and, and I'm an idiot, and, and, and the guy I'm going with is kind of an idiot as well. Uh, we are going to try to hop a little bit. We're, we're, we're basically, if, if there's a good show at a, at a place, we're going to stay there for like two shows. Then we might, at halfway through the day, move to another place or whatever. It might be a complete disaster. We'll see how it goes. But one of the things that I'm doing with this weekend is really just trying to see things that are unique to me while still also seeing stuff that I think is going to be total crap. Like, there's yeah. some... There's some stuff that I fully admit is probably going to be terrible that I'm going to go to, but it's like, whatever, you know, the, the, I'm going to go to like the black craft wrestling because I'm like staying in New Jersey and it's like five minutes from where let we're me staying in our hotel. That, so. let, me, let me jump in real quick. That black craft show is sleeper. It's a sleeper, man. It's a good looking show. That one doesn't look bad in terms of these indies. No one's ever heard of. That one doesn't look bad. And I also, I should throw in Game Changer. I got no beef with Game Changer. Yeah, they, they bring the good. Because I'm going to Bloodsport for sure. That looks fucking awesome. They are a proven commodity that runs good shows and they've done it now for three, you know, two or three years or whatever it is. So I should throw them in there too. They're legit as well. I have no problem. And they always do something unique. All of their show, whether it's blood sport, Janela, and, you know, taking over the spot from the fucking geek in Virginia who had the stop. Let's bury that guy. What's that oh, place? Let's called? bury the fucking Nova pro Nova pro. Yeah. That jerk. Okay. That piece of shit. Who's been stealing money from his wife to pay the wrestlers or to not pay the wrestlers. <laughs> yeah, to Also not pay um, them. Yeah. You know, so that guy got booted from the collective uh, glow, uh, you know, a uh, game changer steps in the spot. And at, at, at last second notice, they're running another gimmick show, this orange Cassidy deal. I think it's, uh, I don't know the exact name of it. Yeah. But, it's, uh, I, I have it up from ready to go. Cause it, it might play a factor in our, our game coming up. It's orange Cassidy is doing something or whatever. Who knows? Which is, you know, very perfect for orange Cassidy. And it's like, they, they're, they've put together another gimmick show different from all their others. Okay, with Orange Cassidy as the as the you know the, the the headline act and all that, and they kept the best match that the jerk from Virginia had booked, which was Gresham and Otani. I yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So tremendous job! Look, game changer. I'm not knocking them because they have been a breath of fresh air to WrestleMania weekend since they've gotten involved. Okay, they've done a great job every year they've been involved. So I want to throw them in there too. But the rest of this shindy bullshit, yeah, UPWA, your NYWCs, your interspecies wrestling, your your IPW UKs, who still haven't announced a single haven't announced a single match. I mean, you know, it's it's I I can't take it. Chaotic wrestling, your IWS, your it's all junk. (laughs) You know, it's all junk, and it's watering everything down. And if I do make my way up there, still haven't decided. I'll probably just randomly fly in one of the days. Um, you know, I will be going to the major league events, WrestleMania. You're not going to catch me at fucking uh, probably a bunch of these ones we're about to talk about. Because I'm sure the matches that we're going to play this game, <laughs> with, you know, aren't evolved matches. Okay, not, so, yeah, I mean they're not all bad. There's some. I'm going to give you some some easy ones here, but yeah, most of them are going to be other shit. So get ready for that. 
Okay, so what's the basis of the game now that I've completely buried WrestleMania? Yes, so it's perfect. Uh, the, the basis of the game and, and buried, hey, we're going to do this great preview podcast, but it'll be fun. We'll make the most of it for sure. Uh, check it out. Also written previews of all these shows too up at uh, VoicesWrestling.com. So what we're going to do, I think it'd be kind of a fun game is I'm going to mention, so what we're going to do here is I am going to say a match, Joe, and then I want you to tell me either the promotion or the show that it is. If you if you know the show by name, that's fine. You're probably more likely going to know the promotion name. So I'm fine with that too. So if I say... Kurt Angle's retirement match, Kurt Angle versus Baron Corbin, you would, of course, say WrestleMania for some fucking reason. Okay, right? Yes. Got it? Okay. So that's that's going to be the basic the basic part of the game. So, yeah, some of these are going to be easy. Some are going to be a little bit harder. Some you may know. Uh, some you may not know. This one actually just got announced as we were doing the show, which I think is pretty interesting, but uh, might trip you up a little bit here. Um, Chuck Taylor versus Trent in a one-minute time limit match. Oh, okay. So Chuck Taylor's facing Trent in a one-minute time <laughs> limit match. Um, and this was just announced. Just announced as we, we were on the air here today. All right. So the game has begun. This counts. This counts, yes. Okay. I'm going to talk my way through this. I have a feeling this is on one of the shows involving a penis. So I, I'm, I, I'm going to narrow this down. It's either taking place at the Joey Ryan penis party or the uh, or or isn't there another dick show going on somewhere? Um, I don't know. If there's an explicit other dick show on on this. Yeah. I mean, there is. There's, there's some innuendos and whatnot, but no, that that, that is the one, the only one that is 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 officially has a penis in the title. So there's the spring break. There's the uh, there's the penis party. I believe one of the DDT shows is called General Erection. I think there's <laughs> another penis show out there right now, General Erection. Um, I'm going to say the Joey Ryan penis party for this one minute time limit. A good guess, but this is actually, we just talked about it. Orange Cassie is doing something or whatever. Who knows? As GCW oh, okay. has the one right, hour time limit with Chuck and Trent, which I think is a pretty fun little gimmick there. One the minute time limit. Yeah, I, I like that. You know, here's a side note. That's the second one minute time limit match at WrestleMania weekend. You remember is that the true? Yes. Is that true? Yes. The... Uh, the what's the pizza party show? That's another <laughs> pizza thing. party. It's called pizza party. A pizza party yeah, wrestling. The, the pizza party show. I think that's on Wednesday night too, or Thursday. Yeah, night yeah. Is there a pizza party wrestling? Uh, one minute time limit. I didn't yes, know it is. Dick Justice against. Uh, oh, that's right. I put. I, I had people freaking out because we have the uh, at voicewrestling.com. We have uh, the WrestleMania weekend schedule. It's pinned to the top of the uh, the, the page, and I put sixty minute time limit or sixty minute yes. Iron Man match, and people were like, "Do not tell me Dick Justice and Johnny Cockstrong are doing a sixty minute Iron Man match uh, at WrestleMania weekend." It is in fact a sixty second Iron Man match. So you're correct. That is Dick Justice and Johnny Cockstrong in the sixty uh, second uh, Iron Man match at Pizza Party Wrestling. So uh, I think that was that one that we came up later. I, I don't know if that was one of the ones that uh, I should thank again. I did come up, so we'll, we'll, I'll give you a bonus one because um, that one will not count because you already know that one. But uh, okay. again, this was uh, Griffin, Ricardo, and Taylor who helped me uh, assemble I'm this list. Cause, yeah, because I didn't want any bias in this. I wanted like a completely random list of, uh, of matches. So, all right, so we have a tag team gauntlet match, Joe. We got Kevin Matthews and Falaba versus the Blue World Order versus Team Espana, which is Jose and Hose B. <laughs> we have the Shock Crew, uh, Breakfast Club, CPA, and Francis Kiplin Stevens versus the massage force so you got all those names there kevin matthews follow follow by blue world order jose and hose b shock or shook crew breakfast club and the massage force joe what is the show that that gauntlet match is taking place on not only do i have all of those names for that five team gauntlet match but i could tell you a little something about all those teams i know the answer to this but the uh, team espana uh jose and jose b uh, they do a soccer gimmick, Rich, 
and they have a loaded soccer ball, which they use <laughs> as a pretty weapon. Cool, actually. These men are heels, and, and they'll bring in the loaded soccer ball and throw it into the gut of their opponents who then double over in pain, and they usually win their matches that way. This is a, these are WrestlePro teams, so this has to be the WrestlePro show happening in Rowway, New Jersey. There you go. Does funny equal money, WrestlePro? There you go. You are now yeah. one of two, so not bad. <laughs> Woo! All right. Pac and Will Ospreay versus CCK. Pac and Will Ospreay versus CCK. This match was set up at a RevPro show earlier this year, and this is a grudge match, and it will be taking place at RevPro. There you go. All right. You're now two for three. Doing pretty well here. All right. Uh, we'll go back to uh, your boys, Jose and Jose B versus Dave McCall and Nate Carter. Okay. I think I know the answer to this one, too. It's good to see Team Espana getting a lot of work WrestleMania weekend. I have to say, I really don't mind local promotions running either. You know what I mean? Because why not? Try to take advantage of it. And if you recall, WrestlePro, back when they were known as PWS, ran in 2014 WrestleMania weekend and drew about 1,500 fans. Yeah, and a great-ass crowd. We did it. We, did, we talked about how shocked we were. They just drew, like, amazingly well. Yeah. So, you know, they've cooled off since then. They're not going to draw 1,500 the raw way this year. But uh, that, I believe, is the WrestlePro versus CZW show also taking place in Rawway, New Jersey. There you go. Very good. Okay, so we've, we've, you've gone New Jersey heavy here. You've nailed all those. So you're now three of four. Uh, so let's let's make it a little bit tougher for you here. Before the next one, how about CZW? How 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 much of a fall from grace is that? Yeah. Where they used to be part of, I believe, the WWN uh, side of things every year. I don't think it was it WWN or WrestleCon. It was WWN. <sighs> I thought it was I thought it was Wrestle uh, or, or, or WWN, but I, I I don't know off the top of my head. But it, it either way, because they are just they, so gone. They're nothing. They used to be a major player, and due to the fact that no one wants to deal with them anymore, they've now paired up with. WrestlePro, and not only are they running out in Rawway, New Jersey, in the middle of nowhere, okay, they're not even running their own show this year. They're running with conjunction of WrestlePro, WrestlePro versus CZW. So a rapid fall from grace from CZW. And I got to tell you, Rich, I don't mind. Let's get them out of there too. Absolutely. All right. Uh, move on to our next one here. So you're doing pretty well. Uh, let's go to the private party, Isaiah C- uh, Cassidy and Mark Queen versus the juicy product of David Starr and JT Dunn. So the juicy product getting back together. Um, haven't I never heard of those other two guys. Ah, oh, man. Hmm. This has to be one of them dopey collective shows. So we're going to go to Jersey City, New Jersey for this one. Um, no, no, curveball. I don't think this is a collective show. I'm going to say this is Hog. I think this is House of Glory running New York City. Wow, you are doing well here. That is House of Glory. So ding, ding, ding. I need to, I need a little bit of sound effect. So yeah, you know what? You, you've been burying this WrestleMania weekend, but you're, you're on it. You got it pretty good here. Uh, all right, this one's going to trip you up because it is impossible to distinguish which match this man is going to have on which show. Scott Steiner versus Swaggle. Oh, man. Okay. As you know, Swaggle is working every literally show. every show. Swaggle is is running fifteen different shows. Uh, he's doing double duty uh, every single time slot. Uh, there's one. I think there's one show where he's actually wrestling twice. Like it is unbelievable the amount of Swaggle this weekend has. It is unfucking believable. Okay, let's see if I can talk my way through this. I know it's not Black Label Pro because he's wrestling Nick Gage at Black Label at Black Label Pro, so we could wipe that one out. I know it's not the 
show we talked about because we pre-taped some of these previews. Mm-hmm, and we talked mm-hmm. about a swoggle match yesterday. So I know it's not uh, that show. Swoggle versus Scott Steiner. Okay, I think I got it. I think this is AIW. AIW, correct. There you go. AIW's Adventures in Wrestling. Oh, sorry. That's <laughs> Black Label Pros uh, called Adventures in Wrestling. This is Slumber Party Massacre is AIW's yes. Slumber Party Massacre. I, I, I'm going to start believing that you're cheating here a little bit. But, they should, uh, uh, AIW should just stay in Cleveland. They should just- <laughs> <laughs> it's probably not a bad idea here. Okay. Uh, this one, I, I think I can hopefully trip you up here. Uh, Falaba, who we mentioned before, uh, also working here. Ace Romero, Madman Fulton, Larry D, Fatu, and Dan Math is a multi- person match here what show is falaba facing ace romero facing madman fulton facing larry d facing fatu facing dan math is that jacob fatu <laughs> i think so yeah it might be rikishi i don't fucking know who cares it just says fatu it just says fatu okay that's a match i haven't heard about at all i'm gonna use my clues i'm gonna assume that that's jacob fatu and I'm going to go with MLW. Uh, incorrect. Sorry. Good call. This uh, that's Wrestling Revolvers, Pancakes, and Pile Drivers three. So okay, all right, fair. Uh, what what Barnburner there to wake up to <laughs> that match? <laughs> While you're eating your fucking IHOP pancakes and you're yeah, you know, like left out all night syrup. Like that's just going to be what a what a what a morning that's going to be. All right. Uh, so a little bit of a stumble there, but that's all right. What are you right now? I think four of six. If I remember correctly by my math, something like that. Let's let's call it four of six. Let's yeah, let's do that. Six. All right. Uh, this one's a little bit easy. I think you can get this one. Get you back on track here. Sammy Callahan versus Mance Warner. Uh... That could be. Oh, wait a minute. That. Oh, my first instinct was going to be pancakes and pile drivers, as that's Sammy Callahan's promotion. But I think that's an MLW match. That is an MLW match. Yes. Rise of the Renegades, uh, MLW for that one. So there you go. You're back hey, on hey, track Man, there. Mance Warner. He's doing a nice job in MLW. Is he? Okay. Because I, I, I kind of hate him. So I'm, I'm glad. I haven't watched MLW in a few weeks, but uh... he may not be your cup of tea, but. You know, he's doing a nice job in the MLW. I've been putting him over on the TV reviews. I, I've enjoyed his work in the MLW, both behind the microphone and in the ring. But we continue. All right. You are five of seven now. Kobe Durst versus Ari Azteca. Okay. So I know Kobe Durst is in the main event of Black Label Pro against Ethan Page. Um, Who's his opponent here? Uh, Ari Azteca. Okay. Ari Azteca. Um, I don't have a clue. So I, I don't gonna, think you're going to get this. I'm going to take the L. Squared Circle Project. They are running Sunday at 1.30 p.m. in uh, Veterans Park Arena in Nyack, New York. I don't know where that is. but um, On Sunday, huh? Yeah, Sunday 1.30. So they're, they're running Sunday. They're not afraid of Sunday. but Not uh, afraid of the Sunday. But yeah, they, they, they probably should be afraid of Sunday. All right. Uh, Carlos Romo versus Still Life with Apricots and Pears. Oh, uh, okay. So... Obviously, this sounds a lot like Chikara, but I'm not going to lock that in yet because it is possible that Young Lions Cup champion still life with apricots and peaches or whatever the fuck his name is. Um, it got booked somewhere else, but I'm going to go with the safe answer and I'm going to say that's Chikara. Okay, you are correct. Chikara is, is that one. So congratulations there. You're back on the board. I think you're now what? Uh, Six and eight, I think I should do a better job of that. That's six and nine, six I think. Six out of nine or something. I think it's six out of nine. So we'll I got go with two that. Last three, I think. Right? So. All right. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, let, let's get you back on track here. I think this is an easy one for you, too. Uh, big deal, Craig Steele versus the Patriots. Oh, okay. Big deal, Craig Steele versus the Patriot. 
I know for a fact what show to take. I was going to say on. people gave me this one, and I said, Ah, Joe's going to get this one, guys. You, you, you got to I broke the scoop on this one because one, know. Of part, one of the participants told me that they were in this match. <laughs> Big deal, Craig Steele versus the Patriot is at UPWA Wednesday night in Wayne, New Jersey at the Police Athletic League. UPWA, undeniable. Big deal, Craig Steele versus the Patriot. There you go. Seven of ten. All right. No we one else a- on earth would have gotten <laughs> No, they gave me that. as like, ha-ha. And I was like, yeah. nah, wrong pick, guys. I think he's going to get that one. Yeah. So, that was good idea on its face. But, yeah, you picked the wrong guy to throw a big deal, Craig Steele, random match in there uh, versus the Patriot. But, uh, all right, a hardcore championship match, uh, Eddie Starr, Veda Scott, and Solo Darling. Oh, my God. I'd rather – I swear to God <laughs> – I'd rather stare at a fucking wall. Can you fucking imagine? Can you fucking fathom? Rich, why? This is what I'm talking about. God. This is what I'm talking about. I mean, really. I'd rather stare in the toilet after I shit out this White Castle. I'm telling you. There's no chance in hell I would watch that match. Oh my god! Give it again. Give it again. I don't know if I can. Uh, hardcore championship match: Eddie Starr, Vanna Scott, and Solo Darling. Oh my god! Ugh. two of the worst wrestlers I've seen over the last half decade. Like they're so bad. People tell me Solo Darling's like impressive now. I don't buy it. Um, and Vanna Scott, I mean, she's just the fucking pits. Um. Oh gee, that's maybe that's some kind of women's promotion. Um, is Shimmer even running this year? Shimmer is running. Shimmer is running. But that—that's not a Shimmer match, though. They don't have a hardcore title. Um, I'm gonna have to pass. I—I I can't think of a promotion. Uh, that is gonna be IWS. IWS Unstoppable running. Uh, running that match there. So. What? What the yeah. fuck is? <laughs> I don't is know. That- it, that's the interspecies show. Uh, that is not the interspecies show. There's also something guys called IWS, which is a separate. Uh, thing that's going oh, on. I, oh right isw is in their speed yes oh, yeah I, I i iws wrestling unstoppable uh 4 p.m white eagle hall uh you got eric cannon you got matt tremont versus nick gage versus the green phantom uh sexy eddie versus eric cannon uh benjamin toll versus rory kulak and kevin blanchard versus ophidian this is what i'm talking about why <laughs> why God. is this happening god damn that sounds so horrendous. bad. That is so that bad. sounds so awful. Why is it happening? And why would anyone buy a ticket to that? Why? Oh my god! I want them to draw zero fans and just cancel the show. No, I want them to draw like one fan so they have to go through with the show and humiliate themselves. That's what I want to happen to half of these promotions. What else do we got? All right, here, Taya Valkyrie and John Morrison versus Pentagon and Phoenix. Um, I don't think that's Impact. Impact is running Tessa Blanchard versus Joey Ryan as their, in, as their intergender match. That Impact card's not bad. No, it's not. It, it looks pretty good. If it wasn't up against like some other shows like TDT and whatnot, I would, I would definitely go, but sorry. Um, and if I do go to WrestleMania weekend, I will be at that Impact show because it's taking place like 10 minutes from where I'm where I would be staying. So it's very convenient. Um, I will say that's the WrestleCon Super Show. There you go. Yes, indeed. WrestleCon. Uh, oh, sorry. No, you're wrong. No, sorry. Oh, <laughs> Correction. No. Sorry. Whoa. Blank. Uh, that is actually Joey Ryan's penis party. I am sorry. All right. 
as Joey Ryan's penis party. I am so sorry that I did that. Uh, <laughs> I was preemptive celebration and 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 mistake by my part. You, so. you know what? That's a very stupid answer on my part. The WrestleCon people would never book the Lucha Bros in a match like that. That yeah, was they very would they would they would do something better with them. Uh, what are they I doing deserve, with? Uh, I, I deserve two losses for that. That was really <laughs> bad. Guess. Those poor guys. The Super uh, WrestleCon guys. I don't know. Uh, they don't have a match yet for Phoenix and Pentagon, but. Uh, they got guys like Masato Tanaka and Yoshino in there and stuff. Yeah, they'll, they'll book something good for that. It'll one. be a lot better than that. I for sure. That. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's go to this one. Ophidian versus Pizza Cat. Okay. Ophidian versus Pizza Cat, of course, is happening at the pizza party. Oh, okay. So that, that we, we thought that might trip you up, that you might think it, because it, it sounds Chikara-ish. It does. That, it does. that you know, if there wasn't a company also called Pizza Party Wrestling, that, that, that so we thought maybe be too easy. Like, ah, no, it's definitely gonna, not going to be Pizza Party. That's too easy. It's going to be Chikara. But no, you're indeed correct that that is uh, Pizza yes. Party Wrestling. So you're back. Uh, all right. Leva Bates will be the special guest commissioner. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well, at least they're not letting her wrestle. That's good. That's, yeah, that's a good thing. I'm sure she'll come out in some shitty cosplay that everybody will pretend is good. So. Yeah, she'll have a referee shirt on and she'll be Earl Hebner. <laughs> right, like, ah, that's brilliant. It's brilliant cosplay. It's tremendous. What do you got for me? <laughs> you could have guessed this one. I, I I didn't hear the match. What's the match? Uh, no, that's it. No, that's it. You got to guess what show wait, what? Uh, Leva Bates is going to be the special guest commissioner on. Oh wait, she's just oh oh okay. I understand now. Oh fuck. Um. Oh wow, she's like so. She's like the authority figure. She is the authority figure on, on this particular uh, show that's running. Yes. Do they know she has like no personality? Uh, no, <laughs> they probably don't. They just want retweets on her, her shitty cosplay. So, I, I have no fucking idea. I, I don't. I can't even wager a guess. W- which show is it? Uh, that is going to be Battle Club Pro. Uh, what's the what's their uh, Women Crush Wednesday? Women Crush Wednesday. Battle Club Pro running on Wednesday. Head to head with uh, UPWA, undeniable. So tough, tough idea. You know, you got Pizza Party, UPWA, and Battle Club Pro on that first day. It's going to be a. Those are the Wednesday offerings. Yeah, that's going to be a tough one to, to decide. So basically, to fly through. in Thursday. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm flying to Friday, yeah. Thursday morning. So. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've lost track of what the count is. Who fucking cares? Uh, all right, so let me give you. Uh, I'm going to give you a few here, then and we'll kind of wrap this thing up here. Um, let's see here. So we have a few other ones in there. I, I those are gonna be a little bit more funny. I wanted to find one, uh, be a little bit interesting. Okay, uh, Takeda versus Jimmy Lloyd in a death match. Masashi Takeda versus Jimmy Lloyd. It's right now, Masashi Takeda's only match announced so far. Yeah, I have to think someone else is gonna get him in the mix here. Um, I hate the fact that they're burning Jimmy Lloyd on that map, but I get it. To that promotion, to that fan base, I kind of get it, but I have no use for Jimmy Lloyd. Um, is that a spring break match? It is. Can you? Can you? Okay. Do you know which of the two spring breaks? Oh, we're gonna get me on the technical. No, no, you don't have to. It's it's it's, I night, gotta, one. it's night one. It's night, night one. Okay, yeah, right. I'm not gonna deal that. All right, uh, Mexican death match: La Familia de Tijuana versus the Young Studs. Mexican death match: La Familia de Tijuana. Versus the young studs. <laughs> what the? F- who are these people? Do you do you know who know. either? Of these- I don't know who any of these. Who people are, are the? Because no. maybe I get a clue. Like who uh, are the these young guys? studs? Let me see if I can figure out who the young studs are. I uh, off the top of my head do not know who the young studs are. So um, I will say this is an undercard match on the Hog Show. 
Okay, sorry. The uh, the Bobby Beverly, Eric Ryan, and TJ Dynamite are your uh, young studs that help you at all. <laughs> no. Okay, it's actually no. AIW's Slumber Party Massacre. So. Okay, yeah, those are three men who shouldn't be working WrestleMania weekend. That's what it comes <laughs> down to. Who's the uh, Mexican team there? Uh, La Familia de Tijuana. Right, but we don't know who those men are. I don't are. know who they are either. Right. Yeah, I'm okay, not, all right. Entirely That's positive. Uh, let's see. Let me see if actually I have it listed here. Uh, I don't, so I don't know who they are, but... <laughs> You've given me two matches off that AIW show, and it's like those sound like two of the worst matches. <laughs> they sound so, terrible. Uh, that show looks yeah. awful. That show Does looks it. so bad that AIW won. I mean, that is, yeah, here, just kind of give you an idea of the Summer Pride Massacre. You got Eddie Kingston versus Shinjiro Otani, which, like, okay, that's fine. I guess. I, I mean, I, yeah. I would have had any match. Like, those two dudes, I would have found a better match. For. Like, it, I don't know. Maybe it'll be good. I have no idea. I think Kingston wanted that. I think that's the deal there. So. It's whatever. It's two guys that a lot of people like that I don't like as much as other people like. Yeah, that's that's really what it comes down to. Uh, Steiner versus Swaggle, as I mentioned. Ethan Garbage. Page and MJF versus Colt Cabana and Grado. Yeah, you know, come on. That's like the most, that's one of the most off putting matches the entire week. Yeah, that's just I, like I, basic, like j- surface level just, comedy bullshit. Yeah, it's just. God, it's so bad. <laughs> just so fucking awful. Uh, the Mexican death matches I mentioned also Mance Warner versus Nick Gage. Also, uh, confirmed talent, Tom Lawler. Uh, which I don't know if that's actually true anymore. I think he probably right. pulled, but Nick Gage, Colin Delaney, Cheech Hernandez, and Damian 666 are uh, also confirmed. Okay. Those are some de- there's some decent names in the also confirmed. Hey, wait a minute. It's Nick Gage versus Mance Warner? Yes. Uh, that won't be bad. That's no, the best match. Actually, the show. that show's not too bad, actually. No, I, 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 no, it, it, I mean, it's pretty bad, but that's the best match on the show. That's that To me, that's the best match on the show. Because I'm not super. In- Here's the thing I know Shinjiro Otani is like you know, the big get that a lot of these companies, I've never been a huge fan of his, like he's fine. You know what I mean? And now he's 50 and chubby and bald and just, he just doesn't do much for me. So, but I get it. You know, it's a guy, you get a chance you bring him in, see him. And, and, you know, a lot of these wrestlers are dying to work with him. I understand, but, um, he's not a guy that like I'm frothing at the mouth to fly up to New Jersey to see. Yeah, absolutely. All right, a few more here, and then we'll uh, we'll sign up for this segment here. Uh, Sean Donovan versus Buster Jackson in a bird box match. What? <laughs> All right, that one's made up. No, ah, you're trying to trick me. No, that one is Sean a fake Donovan match. versus Buster Jackson in a bird box match. I would I would never make that up. Yeah, that's that's a fake match. That's you made that. Up. <laughs> it's probably from a fake show too. What's the name of this show? Uh, Russell Pro. That's funny. Equal money. Nah, never heard either one of those men. <laughs> Um, they're taking advantage of the hot bird box film on Netflix. I see. <laughs> <They really> are, <laughs> um, so I guess I assume they'll just be blindfolded. This week it's just a blindfold know. match. Yes. But uh, yeah. not cool. If you just call it a blindfold match. No, it's gotta Sounds be, terrible. Uh, does not sound great. Um, I think that might be it. That might do it for the segments here. So what, right, what do we man. learn? What do we go. learn about WrestleMania weekend? We learned that there's even worse shit than I thought <laughs> happening. WrestleMania weekend. <laughs> And I thought that it was really bad to begin with. So um, just some shameful lineups and some shameful matches taking place. And, um, you know, next year, I hope it's uh, back to normal. There you go. Yeah. So as, as I said, we'll do uh, we'll be doing previews and reviews of, uh, of uh, most of the stuff going on the WrestleMania weekend uh, previews, I should say, uh, for written previews and also audio previews as well. Not sure about reviews because I'll be there and I don't know who the hell is going to post them and like half the site's going to be. In New York, so I, I don't know if we're going to do any reviews. We'll see how it goes. Could you, imagine, have a review, could, but, uh, could you, like, seriously, could you imagine buying a ticket to that show where, like, Leva Bates is the commissioner? <laughs> Battle Club Pro, yeah. 
And it's like, you, there's got to be something better to do on a Wednesday night in New in, York, in yeah. New York, than watch Leva Bates be the commissioner of a horrible shindy show. I mean, there has to be something better to do. You, you, you can't, some of these shows, it, it's almost, I almost want to go to some of these shows just to see how many people are there because you know, they're going to lie about attendance. And I, 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 some of these shows, Rich might draw like under 20 people. That's plausible. Yeah, there, there, three nights. Murder Mania. Do you know what Murder Mania is? No. So it's like a, I guess it's like a half concert, half no ring deathmatch promotion is running oh three nights, <laughs> three nights. See, they might draw because of the music, maybe, but why? But, yeah, <laughs> like, I don't. Well, it's probably a lot of Casanova Valentine on those shows. Maybe, yeah, uh, potentially, but. Also, just an insane amount of venues, too. You got the Barclays Center, uh, Brooklyn Stewie Dome, the House of Yes, LaBoom, Madison Square Garden, Melrose Ballroom, MetLife Stadium, the New York Hilton Midtown, some random place in Newark, New Jersey, the Capitol Wrestling is running, the NYC Arena in Jamaica, Queens, uh, the Phil Sheridan Building, the Rahway Rec Center, Stage 48, the Bell House, Veterans Park Arena, the Wayne Pal, as you mentioned before, and White Eagle Hall. It's just like, my God, making, I mean, I'm so glad this is the year we decided to really do like this big thing on the website because it's getting a shit ton of traffic because people are probably just like, what the fuck is going on with this weekend? How do I even make sense of what to do this weekend? Because there's just so much shit going on. But uh, as I said, it's real, it's real easy. If you just pare it down, there's just, (laughs) just ignore the other shit, go to Rev Pro, go to fucking Game Changer. You know what I mean? If you stick with the old standbys, it's fine. You know, it's just there's other stuff to me. It's like it's just noise. It really is. It's it's just unfortunate though, because with the exception of DDT, who are really putting on full on effort and putting on a great show for their fans, lineup wise, some of these other promotions are not putting out their very best effort. You know, like your Rev Pros and your WXWs and and places like that. They're they're they they're putting out good shows, but they're not. What I, what I mean is they're not giving you their best matches. And a lot of years, these promotions would give you their best matches at WrestleMania weekend. That's not the case this year. You know, um, you know, Rev Pro in particular, they're saving some of their best. stuff. I thought we'd get the Willow spray Pac rematch, um, you know, off of the non-finish last time, but we're yeah. not doing it. They're giving the tag instead. That's a good example. So WXW too, seems like they're kind of, Packing in a little bit there. Decent cards, but not great. Stardom, I think, is one that really stands out to people when they saw the the, the listing of talent, and it's like a lot of American talent. It's just like, nah, you know what I mean? Like, we're when you buy a Stardom ticket, you you want to see something authentic, and DDT is giving you the authentic thing. That's why I'm so glad they are. that was one of the first tickets I bought because I I just had faith that they were going to bring authentic DDT there, and they have, and that that is. It has me pretty pumped, and it feels like some of the, a lot of the shows that I'm going to is because, like you said, they feel you know Josh Barnett's Bloodsport or whatever feels exactly like he wants. You you know what I mean? Like that yeah. that show feels of what it's supposed to be. Uh, DDT has like a purpose and a reason, and that's what it's going to be. Like I'm even going to Kaiju Big Battle because I, I know Kaiju Big Battle is is garbage and it's weird or whatever, but it is what it is. It's one of those unique WrestleMania weekend things that I feel like I have to go to. But um, yeah, a lot of other people, are, like you said, are just kind of throwing on who hey who's booked. All right, cool. Throw the guys into a randomizer, and here you go. We got Moose, Brian Cage, and MJF. Whatever, fuck it. Okay, cool. There we go. Like, you know, what I mean, like, it's like what, what, what are you doing? Like, no, no stories, no purpose. Just matches happening. Yep. 
All right, let's get to uh, the New Japan Cup. We'll finish out the show here with the round two matches. I just kind of give you an idea of the results. You had Ishii defeating Taiichi, Yoshihashi defeating Chase Owens, Okada over Mikey Nichols, Will Ospreay versus, uh, or over uh, Lance Archer, Tanahashi defeating Taguchi, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. defeating Kota Ibushi, uh, Kokobana defeating Toru Yano, and Sonata defeating Suzuki. So, Joe, you mentioned there was a few matches uh, in that second round. Which ones really stood out to you? The three standout matches were Ishii, Taiichi, Osprey versus Archer and Saber versus Abushi. These were the three best matches of the round. Um, you'll get different answers from everybody if you ask um, what was the best match of the second round, but everyone will answer probably one of those three. I can't imagine one of the other matches sneaking in there. For me, I thought the best match was Will Ospreay versus Lance Archer. This blew me away. I actually couldn't believe how great this was. Um, they had incredible chemistry together. And um, Willow Spray just did. Um, there were just such so many incredible spots in that match. Um, it was it was sort of a um, futuristic, postmodern version of the classic big man versus little man formula. And um, and 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 I just I love the match. I mean that sequence where you know Archer goes for a pounce, and Ospreay just leaps over him and does a somersault to avoid the pounce, which was impressive and cool looking enough. And then Osprey goes for the os cutter off of that, uh, avoiding the pounce. And then Archer follows up with a second pounce and pounces Osprey out of the air and right out of the ring, like in the middle of the eye. Just an incredible spot, which um, which which I, I couldn't believe. And, and there was a spot early in the match where Osprey went to do his springboard off of the guardrail spot that he does. And Archer kind of caught him on the guardrail by the throat and just gave him an overhead toss over his head and flung him halfway across the arena. I mean, there were so many cool... Um, Osprey just flew all over the place for Archer. Um, the, the standing Spanish fly, which you're doing with a guy the size of Lance Archer, which you know speaks to his athleticism. Uh, just a great match. Um, I couldn't believe how good it was. That was my favorite match of the round. Followed closely by Saber and Ibushi, who, you know, they didn't have their... They've got a better match in the tank. Yeah, I was. But, I don't want to say disappointed because it was still really good. But when it was over, I just went, okay, there's something better from these two. These two can do something better because it, it just felt like there was a little bit missing here. And I, I'm fine with that. It's the New Japan Cup. I get it. But uh, yeah, I just know that these two dudes are, are capable of so much more than they had here. Not, not that it was a bad match, but it, it did feel, it just didn't feel like the best that these two can offer. There was a gear they didn't hit that they would hit if it was the main event of a major show or something. Right, right. For sure. Um. And, and, and the Ishii Taichi match was great. And, you know, given each other, you know, like the Kawada kicks and then, and then, you know, um, Taichi going toe to toe down the stretch with him. I thought that was a really great match too. Um, but those were the three standout matches. Those were the three in that round that hit the old notebook. And, uh, my favorite of the three was Will Ospreay versus Lance Archer. Did you see uh, a lot of these matches? Are all I did, matches? yeah, yeah. So I saw just about everything from this uh, the, this round here, and and yeah, the, the ones that stood out to me. I mean, Ishii and, and Taichi, I thought was really good. Another good uh, performance from Taichi. I'm starting to kind of buy into him a little bit. I, I still don't really love Taichi, but he's had a good 2019. I can't deny it. And Ishii is just incredible. Uh, he's pretty awesome there. Uh, Osprey Archer, as you said, is, is it was a great sort of little man, big man match. Uh, but Archer then at times was able to kind of fly with Osprey, and but then when he needed to, would be kind of the power guy. So I thought that was a really really fun little match there i'm and i'm always amazed like i would love to see archer again in, in a g1 because i know that like he's capable of if his body could hold up just capable of having some really really fun matches if he does do that ever again uh tanahashi and taguchi i actually enjoyed uh it wasn't great by any means it wasn't very good by any means but but i enjoyed it. i think it was a fun little hope spot 
match where Taguchi, there was times where it felt like he he may have had it, and Tanahashi sort of taking him lightly, and then realizing that you know Taguchi's here to play, and and, and Taguchi's here to maybe uh, you know upset him and and, and stuff. So I, I like that one a lot. Uh, and then Saber Nabushi, as you said, that one really stood out to me. It was just like a really fun, uh, good match that these two dudes are capable of doing so much more. But even then, it was still really fun in the counters that they were able to do, and and, and just the, the the you know tenacity they worked with was good. But yeah, like you said, there's another gear. Uh, left in that. And then Cabana and Yano. I know you didn't really like it. You thought it was a waste of your time. I thought it was a pretty good comedy match for what it was. I knew it going in what it was going to be. And there were times where I enjoyed it. And there were a few things that I laughed at. And I was glad that it was over in like five minutes, which is just the perfect amount of time that it needed to be. But I enjoyed it for what it was. I don't know that I love it being in the New Japan Cup, but when it's Cabana and Yano, you really don't have any choice. But um, the one match I did want to talk with you uh, briefly about uh, Sonata and Suzuki. I, 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 I'm not getting it with Sonata, man. It's just not doing it for me. I don't know. I, I thought he was pretty bad here. I did not like this match at all. Yeah, I mean, Sonata's a divisive guy. I, I, There's times where I don't get it either, and then there's times where I'm like, this guy's real close. I, I think at this point, the gimmick may be holding him back a little bit, but at the same time, it's not like he was Mr. Excitement before this gimmick. So maybe it's protecting him to some extent. Um, it's a tricky thing with Sonata. I wrote about this match behind the paywall. And, you know, I think I summed up my thoughts pretty well on Sonata there. Um, man, I, I, I don't know. He just, he's another one of these guys. And I don't know if you can entirely blame the gimmick for the fact that he just shows zero emotion ever. Because again, he was kind of emotionless pre-gimmick. Yeah, Seiya Sonata wasn't really a you know a charisma magnet himself. So well, that was always the knock on Seiya Sonata. Like, give me some fire, give me some emotion. We know that technically you can have a you know technically have a good match, but you know where's the passion? Where's the fire? Where where's like he always has the same look on his face? Like he it's like every nothing ever. That's the knock, you know, and from and that's why I say that maybe the gimmick is protecting him to some extent, to where he can get away with that because it's, oh, well, he's supposed to be stoic. But um, he's got a personality. It's just a dry personality. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't always translate in wrestling because he does the deal after the matches where he says it's his favorite town and he gets the cheap heat that way, you know, the Mick Foley pop or whatever. I think he's just a dry guy. And I don't mean dry as an insult. I mean the kind of guy where everyone has a friend who just has like that dry humor. And it doesn't mean that they're boring to be around. It's just they're not boisterous, but they're clever and they're quick. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. He, he strikes me as that kind of person. And it's very hard. It's not impossible, but it's very hard to get over in wrestling with that kind of personality. You know? Um, yeah, there's just something there with him. And it, it's close. But at the same time, it feels like he's really far away, too. It, it's He's yeah. a weird he's a weird wrestler. It's watch. so strange. His, his moveset is just terrible right now, too. Like the, the, the skull end looks like crap. He, he doesn't put it on well. It doesn't look like it's it's brutal. And then, like, obviously, you got the just. Yeah, there's just a few different moves here that he's doing. And, and the few biggest moves, they're just not working. I don't know. For whatever reason, I just I, I, I they just don't click with me. And they don't. I did not like the closing stretch. I thought they really overdid it with the finisher with the uh, submission reversals to the point where I was just like, okay, someone fucking give up already. Right. Because, but to be fair, they had the crowd with them the whole way through that whole sequence. They never lost the crowd and the crowd was getting hotter and hotter with each reversal. So 
I mean, they did what they were supposed to do in terms of engaging the crowd and getting them into the story of the match. I thought it was excessive. I do think the skull end looks like shit. I don't think it's impossible to argue otherwise, really. Um, And Suzuki, it's amazing to me that for a guy who he puts on these submission holds and no one ever gives up like he, the Okada match, the Tanahashi matches, this match, all of his matches are him putting people in these holds and them screaming agony, but never giving up. It's like, but you would think eventually those holds would lose impact. Like the fan, because they never really work and no one ever gives up, but he's such, he has such a badass aura that he's able to get away with it. Right. You know what I mean, like people believe and, that, like, if you wanted to, he could snap your neck and just like destroy you and kill you. But yeah, like Ric Flair's figure four became a joke at the end of his career. Cause he would never win a match with it. You, you know what I mean? It's like, a, it became like a running joke, but it's like Suzuki's holds. People still react to them. Like he's going to kill, but no one ever gives up. Yeah, I guess that's what 20 years of being a fucking badass will do for you. So good for him. Yeah, so, you know, he did retain that aura. The one I want to talk about quickly, Cabana Yano, I thought was a fucking dud. I even think <sighs> by this, I, I think even by the standards of what they were trying to do, it was bad. I didn't crack a smirk. I thought they went through the motions. I didn't find it amusing on any level. But again, that kind of match is going to struggle with me to begin with. But even focus, refocusing my brain and saying, okay, judge it for what it is. I thought it sucked. Um, Tanahashi Taguchi, I thought Tanahashi went through the motions and just wasn't interested in doing much that night. Um, Okada and Nichols is the one we didn't talk about. Nichols worked that match like he was a 1986 WWF heel. <laughs> just, I, I, I couldn't understand. Yeah, it's, match. yeah he's, he's having a little rough patch here so far. And, you know, then, you know, they did the, the typical Okada closing stretch. It was a weird melding of 1986 WWF house show match and modern New Japan closing stretch combined into one. Basically, what you saw here was the natural butch read against Kazuchika Okada uh, in, in the Fire Pro match that no one ever wanted to see, like melded into what that's what this felt like to me. Mikey Nichols with these 1980s maneuvers, he's like throwing on side headlocks. Rich, he did a scoop slam at one point. He was doing half crabs, like he is just like 1980s offense and and pacing and the pacing too, you know, and um, you know it, it's it's yeah. I mean, I thought this was an important match for him. I really thought they'd go out there and just kill it, but he really dragged down the uh, you know his poor his control portion of the match where the work wasn't bad. It just didn't fit the tone of the promotion. Um, that was a Largo loop match against a rookie is the way he worked that it was simple. It was slow. It was slow it down, kid, uh, do simple shit, uh, make everything count, you know? And then when Okada took over on offense, they went through Okada's closing stretch. It was a new Japan match again. So I don't know, maybe he just needs to adjust to the house style, but that was a weird fucking match. So uh, I wanted to make note of that as well. All right, so that is our check-in on the New Japan Cup. Anything else that you have, uh, New Japan-wise? As we said, we're not going to talk about the quarterfinals here because uh, only two of the matches have happened as the time we're recording this. Uh, so we just find it easier to wrap up uh, the quarterfinals when they happen. So next week, we'll uh, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit. But uh, anything else you want to say about the New Japan Cup uh, so far? 
no, I'm still enjoying the hell out of it. Yeah, I've enjoyed it too. Nice, easy watches. I love these two-match shows too. These are pretty solid where you can just jump in. You know, it's half hour, 45 minutes tops, and, and you got two matches out of the way. Uh, and everything's been been pretty good. Even the matches that I don't like uh, have been okay. Like maybe Yoshihashi and Chase Owens. Eh, maybe not so much that. And, and Okada Nichols, like I said, didn't quite you know jump out of the page for me. But uh, most other stuff that I've seen have been pretty good. So uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it. Uh, and yeah, I think that's it. So of course, uh, make sure you're checking out VoicesOfWrestling.com for all of our reviews, previews, columns, and all that other good stuff. Also, the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network have some uh, some new changes going on to the Podcast Network. You'll notice uh, in the next few uh, days and weeks that I think are going to be pretty cool as well. Um, and yeah, I think uh, VoicesOfWrestling.com slash forums. So, yeah, and then the Patreon.com slash Wrestling. I did want to uh, mention that because uh, yeah, we're doing some good stuff there. You're doing your written previews a little bit. I'm uh, wrapping up my look at uh, the final days of WCW with Death Store. I've been doing some VOW uh, retro rewatches uh they got the march to wrestlemania is going up on the WWE networks i've been watching some of those so a lot of good stuff for you there uh one dollar uh three dollar or five dollar tiers at voices of wrestling.com slash patreon or patreon.com slash voices wrestling whichever one you want to do uh, and anyway for joe lanza i'm rich great we'll see you next time on the voice of wrestling flagship podcast take care say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill